with Mitch Trubisky, I can at least walk through and be like, at least we went for the guy that we wanted. That's fine. Mitch is a quarterback that we never wanted. You know, you saw you guys before the show. A lot of people like this one as well. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Same this guy, John, you my man. You my man. I love this one. This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Jalen, this one's good. <laughs> I'm gonna go if he brought if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but he but seems like, so sweet at the same oh, time. Oh, with his glasses, with his glasses, I get yeah. it. Also, voices from everywhere, and I always talk about this uh, for the fan, by the fans, for the fans. You know what I'm saying? And so, you guys have a unique way of being able to do what you guys do, and I just want to tell you guys thank you so much because I see you. If I see you, that means you guys are out there, and that's always Kenyon. Okay, cool. As long as you're not going to be a Green Bay Packer, I have to put that out there. I have to put that out there. You can go anywhere else. Hey, as long hey. as you don't go to Green Bay, we're okay. I know, I know, right? Now I appreciate you guys having me and the support, man. Honestly, like I think we're on this. <laughs> guys, try and remain professional and compose yourself for God's sake. This uh, this whole show is getting deleted, guys. Just so you, you know, know, it's not. It's, it's never <laughs> going to be on. Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. Twenty-four hours—that's all we have to wait. It seems like it's been forever since football's been here. Again, we all say it's like Christmas tomorrow. We're at Christmas Eve. Everybody's will be going to bed, just all excited, waiting for tomorrow. So we have to get some of our favorite guests on the show. Robert, Neil, Aldo, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. Doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. Doing great great yeah, the 38-degree yeah. wintry cold here in springtime Chicago. <laughs> I'm just excited for this draft to be to start. This is the point where I get completely mocked out. I'm sure everybody feels the same way. Oh, yeah. I've heard all the names. Like We've looked at all the tape. It's just a matter of, okay, which ones are the Bears? And what are they going to do? And who's going to fall? Because gracious alive, I cannot predict this round one. And everything that happens in round one carries a pretty significant impact on who falls to 39 and what happens first for the Bears. So cannot wait to get things started. Yeah, with that, I think most people that have listened to the show know that we will be live for round one, round two, round three, round four, round five, round six, round seven. (laughs) And the interesting thing is round four to seven is okay because that starts about 3 p.m. over here. But round one, round two, or round three, we'll be on in the middle of the night over here. So you will see some delirious Bears fans on this show. You'll see a lot of guests on this show. So I've always said it, round one, because the Bears aren't there, I want absolute chaos. I'm hoping for that to happen. It's going to be interesting. But look, with that, because we are only 24 hours away, I do want to bring this up a little bit earlier. Um, What we expect from round one, because that's the hardest thing to to go on right we i think i've said to a couple of guys before if we had this show three four months ago i don't think we'd be talking too much about more than one quarterback potentially going in round one and now when you're looking at some of these you're you're seeing kind of two three and in some instances four guys going around one although i'm going to start with you what's been your opinion of that it's it's a normal thing to happen normally that the quarterbacks get moved up but for me i find it so difficult to look at these guys and be like feeling confident that one of these can actually be a starter early in their career in the NFL. 
Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm the oldest one here, probably doubling the age of uh, the youngest person here. <laughs> and I remember a time when quarterbacks were drafted in the rounds where they really deserved to be drafted. And because the, uh, uh, the it's become a passing league, we're seeing quarterbacks overdrafted. I mean, we know no better example of that here in Chicago than seeing Mitchell Trubisky drafted with the second overall pick and trading up for him and when having the third pick. Uh, but in this particular scenario, hey, the more quarterbacks taken in round one, hallelujah, because that means uh, good players are going to drop to the Chicago Bears in round two because uh, clearly it doesn't look like they're going to trade into round one. They don't have the resources for that. Um, and in yesterday's press conference, Ryan Poles was talking about the prices of wide receivers and now we're seeing that there could be six seven maybe even eight wide receivers taken in round one uh so uh, i know robert was talking a little bit about the wide receiver value uh you know that's that's becoming sort of the similar thing with quarterbacks and so i anticipate that the bears are going to be searching for a quarterback just because they don't want to pay these incredible uh, excuse me a wide receiver because they don't want to pay these incredible prices that are happening uh, but, yeah, more quarterbacks in round one, absolutely bring it on. This is the year for it. And uh, hopefully we can land players in round two that uh, this team desperately needs. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, if you're a Bears fan, there's two scenarios that you want. Either you want a bunch of the quarterbacks to go in round one, or if only, like, two or three of them go, that some team drafts one really, really early in round two, and then other teams are like, oh, shit, we need to go get a quarterback. That's what you really, that's what you really, really want. But look, it's going to be very interesting, Robert. I do want to bring you in because a lot of the Bears talk for the past three, four months now has all been around the wide receiver position, right? And trying to see who's definitely going to go round one. Is there any potential falls? Some people loving specific prospects. How have you seen kind of these wide receivers? Because there's a lot of them that are grouped together. It's, it's difficult even when you look at round one, right? You have Jamison Williams, which is probably one of the most talented. Personally, I, I put out my kind of rankings today, and he was number one on my list because he's, he's that kind of electrifying wide receiver that you're looking for in the modern NFL. But the problem is he's injured. So there is that side of things, and there's more of those type of guys. You have different red flags <laughs> for guys that we're expecting to be pretty good. So what's been your opinion of those wide receivers so far? Well, I mean, the wide receiver class looks really good. I mean, I would love to break out the word great or crazy or some wild hyperbole, but there isn't a Jamar Chase. There isn't a Jalen Waddle. There isn't these guys that we think are going to hit the league and just immediately explode quite like CeeDee Lamb did. There's a lot of guys that could pop off. I mean, could being the operative word, but like you kind of said, there's a red flag with everybody. I mean, the, I would say the Bears fans' favorite – I mean, how could I not talk about George Pickens in this case? Because whether you love George Pickens or hate George Pickens, he is the name that every single Bears fan out there has gotten familiar with. And for months now, people have said, this guy's the talent to be around one. This guy has the talent to be around one. And recently, people start talking about potentially his interviews weren't quite as, uh, let's say, positive as teams might have wanted. And suddenly it makes sense why he might be there in round two. 
either way, if we're seeing anything, the like the bright side about where the Bears sit, especially if they take a wide receiver at just about any point, is that wide receivers are becoming so, so expensive. You look at the deal that Tyreek Hill got. You look at the trade it took to acquire Devontae Adams and then the new paper he got on top of that. It seems like we're entering an age where you can't just home grow your quarterback you need to home grow your wide receivers while you're at it or you're not gonna find value so for that end i'm glad the bears weren't heavy players in free agency but polls has got to hope that somebody falls to him or he's gonna end up in a spot you know yeah it's just unfortunate i guess with this particular draft class that you go in and you don't have all those picks that you want because Neil, I'll bring you in on this one because we look at it comparing the just the sheer number of prospects from last year to this year. This would have been the ideal draft to have those 10, 11, 12 picks because there's so many guys there. Like like Robert said, with the way everything's going with wide receiver and you kind of need to home grow kind of wide receivers. Do you think this has to be a draft class where the Bears select more than just one wide receiver within their draft class? I think there's two positions where they're likely to select more than one in that particular position, wide receiver being one of them. I think offensive line would be the other. But, uh, you know, the uh, thing about the, the wide receiver situation is that if you have one of those issues where you get eight wide receivers in the first round, all of a sudden that, that drags all the rest of the wide receiver class up to where you're probably taking a guy in the second round that you would otherwise have on your board slotted as a third or fourth rounder, right? So it, it just moves everything up in, in terms of the quarterback situation, like all of us talk about, that helps us in our favor because it takes a lot more of those guys that would be going probably late first round, early second round, right where we'd be early mid-second round, and uh, you'll put them you know, right you know, in perfect position for us to go ahead and take them. Um, I think there are a lot of wide receivers in this draft. I think the quality of which is similar to where it was Last year, volume doesn't mean quantity, but it does mean opportunities, right? So I think what you've gotten is in, in uh, day two, rounds two and three, is an opportunity to get a, a really good wide receiver at premium, especially if you're talking about a guy like Alec Pierce that probably doesn't go around one that, you know, otherwise in other drafts, maybe a four or five guy with his combine performance. Now he's in the three. He might be right there between 48 and 71 in a prime position where you might want to go ahead and take a wide receiver given the, the importance of, of taking a guy in the trenches with that first pick. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you here. Hello. It, it is good. Like, like you can compare kind of your Wi-Fi in the hotel to your normal Wi-Fi, which everybody slags you about. <laughs> but like, it, it, it's good to have you. Look, It's definitely we, worse here, man. It's definitely worse here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. But look, kind of what the uh, the guys are saying, it's, it's interesting when it comes to these wide receivers that we're all going to be watching at the end of the draft, see how many of them go. Is it going to be six? Is it going to be seven? Is it going to be more than that? Now, over the last couple of years, it's averaged that it's been six in the first round. So that's what we would expect. If you start seeing seven or eight, that's when Bears fans are probably going to have to deal with the fact that they're probably not going to take a wide receiver in round two, and it may be in round three. But look, it all depends on kind of what what kind of goes on here. But look, it's what's been European as we get 24 hours away. Like, we did our own kind of mock drafts yesterday. You deviated away from going wide receiver in their first one. What are your thoughts just 24 hours away from the draft? What are you hoping to happen in that first round? I think you can, again, underestimate, as you say, the, the, the sheer depth of wide receiver quality in, in this particular draft. Um, I think you could see the, the average number of wide receivers taken in the first round 
um, maybe even breaking previous records in terms of the sheer number that will be taken. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be difficult to, to kind of predict. One of the good things about this this year, I mean, obviously we don't have our first round pick, and there's always one time when you don't have your first round pick, you've got slightly less interest in what's going on. But this year is not that case at all because you've no idea what order any of these guys are really going to go in. Even if you got to the top five, there's no overall number one consensus pick at the moment. So, you know, it's just interesting to see how things are going to materialize um, over over the course of tomorrow night. Um, so for me, what I'm looking for is, you know, what's going to be left when it comes to the start of the second round. Um, but, you know, for if, if guys that we like at wide receiver are not there at 39, it's really not the end of the world because, as I've mentioned, there's guys that you can pick up in the, the, the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. Later than that as well, that I would be more than comfortable um, taking. Um, for me, I would not be shocked at all if, yeah, you know, the right center was there at the end of the at the end of the first round, the start of the second round. We maybe go for a, a guy like that, like Linderbaum, or you know, I don't I don't think guard would be taken too early. I think it might be later on. Maybe that for the right tackles there, that could be a, a direction to go. But we've also got to think about cornerback. You know, that that's that's a, a way that the the polls might go. Defensive tackle, that three technique. There's so many ways we could go tomorrow uh, on Friday. Um, but you know, as long as we've got some um, some quality picks to choose from at 39, I'm not overly fussed about which direction we go in. Um, and if it isn't wide receiver at first, then again, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely. It's although Robert, I'm going to bring you in on this before we get into our our roundtable mock draft here. It's the funny thing, and I I put this out a couple of days ago. Just, I'm going to be getting out my popcorn the minute that the Bears pick a defensive player in round two because that's what it's going to be like. Everyone's going to go lose their absolute minds. Like, it's going to yep. get to 38 and they're going to pick, like, Roger McCreary as their cornerback. And then everybody, and the likes of Pickens, Watson, all of them are still going to be on the board. And people are literally just going to lose their shit. <laughs> like, I can't wait. Like, it's, to, to, like, yep. in a really, like, disturbing way, it, it's kind of like it would be very funny, but then at the end, of, then you're thinking, I do want the offense to get better, but just to see people absolutely have the biggest meltdown ever is it's just going to be very funny, I think. Well, so, I mean, I, that that to me is the most complicated piece of this Bears offseason, is that when you take the long view, what does the team look like in 2023 and beyond, not just 2022, where I think we can all agree that the Bears would be, suffice it to say, a long shot to make the playoffs in 2022. That means that you can't draft a guard just because you don't have a guard. There's still guys like Eric Flowers out there. Folks may not like them, but whether it's Keelan Cole, Jar Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. is still a free agent, Emmanuel Sanders. There are free agent wide receivers out there. And if that means that a Logan Hall falls to you, if that means that an edge rusher that you love because you know that you're getting rid of Quinn in the middle of next season falls to you, like you're saying, maybe you take them. And maybe, just maybe, I mean, it could be anything. This could be anything. For all we know, Ryan Poles is back there, and he doesn't like Eddie Jackson, and he likes Roquan Smith, but he thinks that the linebacker market is too expensive. I'm not saying any of those are the case. We just don't know. And so 
depending on who falls to them, because I think personally that it's very likely an edge rusher gets to them, and it's just a matter of whether they want him or whether somebody else wants to come up and get them. It's going to determine where the Bears go with this because offensive players are obviously at a premium, and while I would love for the Bears to take a receiver, like if I got to just choose, of course I would love for them to bolster their offense with high-end talent, but it's a matter of getting the most value out of 39 possible, and like you're saying, there are a lot of good defenders that could very <laughs> well be there. Off. Is that the draft <laughs> phone already? Got to pick it up, guys. Is that Brad Peach over there on the other end? Is he? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's calling anyway. in to say you're absolutely right. <laughs> I, I, I now wish we like started the draft like 35 seconds ago and that would have been perfect time <laughs> that, that's basically telling us that the draft needs to start so what i will do is i will get this hooked up here but look neil i want to bring you in on this as well as one of the conversations we've been having on this show is if you're let's say your expectation for a guard a center of tackles available at 39 that who you would like but then also kind of one of your top wide receivers is available. What direction are you going? If it's an, let's say it's an interior offensive lineman versus that kind of, I guess, bona fide wide receiver that we're seeing where the wide receiver market has gone. What would you want to see? It, it's tough. I think it really just depends on what your board, if, if you're the Chicago Bears, what your board looks like, right? If, if it's that, that outside receiver versus the interior lineman, or even if, if there's a left tackle that scoots in in the second round, which is even more enticing given our absolute need for a left tackle, you know, the, the, the blind side protector for Justin Fields, you know, you, you don't want to get yourself into a situation, you know, although, and, and I, and, and our other partner, you know, Dan Shin, we talked about it on our show. And, you know, one, one of the topics was, uh, you know, relating to what the Bengals did with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, bringing in two guys that were on the field together, or even if Arizona, since it would, it would be having a spectacular quarterback, bringing in a dynamic wide receiver, but nobody blocked for Joe Burrow. You guys asked killed last year or the year before, I should say, right? And so that, that's the thing that you have to weigh is is uh, you don't want to have Swiss cheese up front to protect your quarterback because you, you also need offensive help. So I think all things considered, I think you have to value the trenches over the side. However, uh, I, I do believe that with both uh, you know positions being of absurdly high need, that you need to just weigh who you have ranked higher on your board. If it comes down to there being a, uh, a a primo left tackle left on the board, I think you have to, to make that that move. If it's an interior guy versus uh, let, let's say we're sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth receiver, that'd be a really tough call, right? And 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 again, it, it just depends on you know how you know far up um, the board those two players are. And then you look you know further on down the draft is what what's what's after that that left tackle? What's after the interior offensive line? What's after that next wide receiver? You know who's been picked so far? With the first round that is arguably the most unpredictable first round of my lifetime, it's, it's really hard to, to say where you should go. Ultimately, we'll have obviously a better idea of, of where we're, we're probably going to go tomorrow night, right, at about ten o'clock or so. But uh, you know, the thing about it is, is you, you just have to weigh, um, you know, what you have versus who's already been picked, and uh, just kind of go from there, guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's re- that that's the main thing is not really knowing what's going to happen in the first round. It's crazy. Like, even normally you know who kind of, like, the first five picks are going to be. 
but now we're still at the point that we don't even know who the first pick is going to be and it's yeah. it is crazy like there's been rumors out there of what it might be but then you never know what could happen and we all know that if Jacksonville were able to they would trade out of that pick in a heartbeat so it is going to be interesting to see kind of what goes on here and how they how they do it so with that in mind what we will do is we will start this uh I'll get this started so we'll just kind of speed it up to uh to where the Bears will be picking and yeah, you guys would be like our, our front office there. So I I would just be I would just be the dude that has to like go on with the monitor. I'll let you guys decide on what we're gonna pick. Again, it's it's interesting to see some of these uh some of these um scenarios that may come up and see kind of what comes up by doing some of these PFF ones. I already know some of the players that are gonna be available. It's the same ones you see it on every person's mock draft. Yeah, it's gonna. It's going to be a lot of fun, but we'll get this started and see kind of what goes on. Uh, so it's just loading here, and we'll go start draft. And we'll just let the first round go. And it's going to be interesting to see, again, when it comes to tomorrow night, how early is a team actually going to pick a quarterback? Because at the end of the day, it's it always gets pushed up. I wouldn't have thought that there would have been a quarterback taken in the top 10, but there is a very good chance that that could happen. So, yeah, it, look, Robert, I want to bring you on that yep. while we wait for this to kind of move up into the pick. Um, would it shock you if you saw one or two quarterbacks going in that top 10? No, and I'm expecting it. I mean, am I the <laughs> loon? Am I the crazy one? Like, we we all sat through in 2017, mock draft after mock draft after mock draft of people saying, you know, maybe I'd take Trubisky first round at number 23, but that's it for all the quarterbacks. I just don't know about that. That was real, and that was March of 2017. Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis, there's just too much Ritter smoke. From what I'm seeing, way too many analysts that are very, very high on him for me not to think that once Malik Willis goes within, I mean, gosh, I wouldn't surprise me if it's the top seven. It could be even sooner than that. Then somebody is going to take Ritter before they lose the chance on him. And then somebody's going to take Pickett after that. And then we might get a fourth at 32. Like, I, I don't know. It's a matter of whether Detroit's going to take uh, Malik or maybe Ritter, I guess, at number two, though that seems a lot for him. But personally, I think that quarterback is just a position of too much rarity. And if you like a guy, why on earth, what, what does it serve you to be patient, right? Because if you lose your guy, you don't get him. He's gone. And there's not necessarily just a fallback. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that makes a lot of sense when it, when it gets to that point. And I'm just... I'm just so happy. the one thing that I'm happy for what Ryan Pace did last year was go get Justin Fields because mm -hmm. I would feel terrible having to try and get a quarterback in this draft because there's just nobody that I've gone into a trying to like some of these guys and you see certain plays and you're like oh yeah that's really good but then you, all the inconsistencies show up but look we'll we'll talk through 39 here there's seven different trade proposals but an interesting one that I was kind of pop up there some some fans like it some don't is uh sky Moore that has come up so again one of the wide receivers at the the top of the draft and although i'm gonna i'm gonna come to you on this because the like some of the other guys that maybe we expected to be there at the time so i know george pickens went in round one in this i was about so. to say did he get drafted yeah you <laughs> tra 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 
Kansas City doubled up. They went for George Pickens and Traylon Burks. They, they're trying to win with Patrick Mahomes. That's the biggest thing there. But yeah, we have, we, I, I wonder how many. There's probably still six um, that have gone, maybe even, maybe even, yeah, seven actually went in the first round. This similarly to what you were saying, although there's a chance that seven or eight of these guys go in the first round. So I guess first things first, in terms of what we see here, Sky Moore looks to be the top of this particular board what do you think of the player well um i like sky Moore a lot uh in fact uh, there's a lot of talk that he might even be one of those wide receivers sneaking into the first round um i i i am concerned though as to if you can let me know who the top cornerbacks are because there still should be some viable wide receivers to think about with the next second round pick and I'm concerned about the cornerback position. And frankly, I'm concerned about the entire defensive backfield with the Chicago Bears. We've, so got Eddie, yeah, <laughs> we've, got, we've got Eddie Jackson at one of the starting positions. And uh, and we can all agree that he's been a disappointment over the last two or three seasons. We don't know who really is going to be the other starter at that safety position. Uh, Jalen Johnson, I'm high on Jalen Johnson, but he may not be a number one. And so that means... We either need to find a number one or a one A or a, or a two, and so when I look at this list, I, I, I'm I'm going to look down in my chat comments because <laughs> see, I knew I knew he was going to say it. Jordan says make me proud, Aldo McCreary, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he is truly a, a a interesting player because the tape says this guy can guard the NCAA's top wide receivers. The metrics say be careful because of the length of his arms. And traditional scouts like uh, Greg Gabriel and others are weary about that arm length. But here's the guy who I, I wouldn't mind career being a Chicago Bear. But I, I think that your concerns are now gone if you choose Kyler Gordon out of Washington, who I think is yeah. every bit the player of Roger McCreary. But before making that selection, I would also take a look at the offensive line position because there are a lot of good offensive linemen in this draft, but how many are, are truly players that you can think can help this team in, year, in their rookie season? So you look at an Abraham Lucas, there's concerns there. Can he be a plug-and-play immediate player? You know, I'll leave that for Tony, Robert, and, and Neil to answer. I have some questions, but I think this guy is going to be a long-term average or above-average uh, tackle. And then the other names here, to me, Luka Decky, maybe, I, I think he's more of an inside guy. I, I, I almost feel like, Boy, oh boy, what are we going to do here with offensive linemen? Because it seems like some of the guys that I really like a lot are already off the board. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of the guys that I would have expected. Like I know with within PFF, a lot of this kind of comes up the same. You were kind of hoping at this point, like thir- thirty six Kenyon Green goes. That will that's kind of a kick into the into the nutsack right there because he would have been a nice one if he fell down. Uh, look, Neil, I'm going to bring you in here in terms of the offensive lineman. Aldo did it a good job in, in talking about some of the corners. With some of the guys here, you have Abraham Lucas, Luka Decky, Zach Tom. Um, is there any of those guys that you feel would be worthy of a pick at 38? Absolutely not. You know, yeah, 39, absolutely not. You know, Abraham Lucas is the one that you kind of have to think about a little bit because, you know, he's a guy that has, that has an absurd length. He's really good fundamentals. 
uh, you know, technique wise. He's very smooth. He can drop well, um, kind of light in the ass a little bit. I, you know, I'm not sure if that's something that, that could be fixed in the strength room or not. And, uh, you know, I, I want to say, you know, extremely athletic, but, you know, adequately athletic, right? Um, but, uh, you know, again, I, I can't remember if, if uh, Aldo just brought it up or not, but, you know, in my, in my head, I keep on thinking all the time, whenever I see Abraham Luke's name, right tackle, right tackle, right tackle, he has never played a snap in his career left tackle, right? But he was a guy that looked at last year's draft as a guy that could be potentially going out as uh, a possible fix to the tackle position for the Chicago Bears and that we needed both left and right. And so, you know, he, he's a guy that I've spent probably two years looking at, and I like that kid a lot. I just don't like him at 39 lots. Right. He's, yeah. you know, to, to, to uh, invest that kind of guaranteed cash in the Abraham Lucas or a guy that you don't know can play the left side when you probably already have options for the right side. That, that's, that's kind of a stretch. I'm not sure what, what happens past Kellen Deesh, but, you know, from Luke Adeke down to Kellen Deesh, those are prime, uh, you know, fourth, fifth round guys for me. Uh, you know, on the board is where I have all those guys falling. Cole Strange is the one that, uh, you know, me and Danny talked about on our last show that last week is a guy that I think really honestly is a third rounder. If you look at both of our boards, if you look at a lot of boards around the league, and a lot of draft rooms, you know, Cole Strange is a guy that sort of has a little bit of that sharpening to him. He, he's tough. He's physical. He has some nasty to him, a great length and size, can play all five positions, to be honest with you. Um, he's sort of being pegged as an inside guy right now. He uh, played, uh, I think it was left guard at Chattanooga, has played some tackle in his career, worked out at center at senior bowl. So he's a guy that's really intriguing from his size, strength, you know, position versatility standpoint. Um, keep on going down there, uh, Karen. See who, who who's left. Um, you know, Sean Ryan is a guy that I think could be a third or fourth. Um, but I think I think you're you're getting into the point that I'm making here is that your, your options right there aren't great. And so yeah, I, exactly. I think that uh, mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's really tough. Like you got to weigh that with the receivers that are left. You got to weigh that with who escaped out, out of uh, out, out of the, the D line group. I'm I'm supposing nobody. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and take a uh, D-line real quick because, you know, you know, to me, when, when it comes down to uh, big, athletic, and nasty, you, you know, typically don't make it out of, out of round one. But here you are with Logan Hall. Here you are Logan Hall, almost a perfect you know, projection into a three-technique guy that he's put a little bit more weight on in his pro at two-week five. A guy like Logan Hall that, that, that that's quick, that can shoot the gap, that has an absurd length. You know, that's a really intriguing pick right there at 39 that's not going to be around much longer. This guy's not going to make it probably at 48. And, uh, you know, Perion Winfrey is interesting. Um, he's he, he's kind of tasty in round two. I think I like him more in round three. Uh, the rest of those guys on that list are uh, probably not fits for what we need at three technical positions. So, again, you look at the same problem with the offensive line where your options are very few far between. But there's one guy that sticks out. That's Logan Hall. Is that the guy you take? Do you weigh that against the receivers that are left? Which I'm sure there's several. You know, I, I think it, you get, it gets back to my, my original point points where you got to weigh all these positions where you have significant needs and find the best one left available and what's beyond that that best available if it's if it's very very sparse very sparse few and far between it'd be hard not to take those positions or take that take that guy at that position yeah absolutely look tony i'm gonna bring you in here because i've just kind of we've gone through some of those you've the defensive line corner wide receiver now you look at some of the corners you spoke about, Kyler Gordon, Roger McCreary, but there's two wide receivers here that also pique my interest. You have Jahan Dotson and Sky Moore. They're two guys that have the potential to go in the first round, and I'm surprised that Jahan Dotson is going into the second round. I would have thought he would have been a first-round pick. So 
what are your thoughts on, I guess, some of these guys that are currently available? I know in, it seems like for PFF, Jalen Petrie is, is always in the second round. I feel sorry for this kid because if he ever if he ever were to go on this, he's just going to see his name the entire time. But, Tony, what's your thoughts if, if this is the way it would fall uh, on Friday night for the Bears? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, the way I'm looking at it, we've obviously had a look at the, the kind of positions of need as such, um, but I think it's probably uh, prudent not to just draft for for need. You know, offensive line's a big one there, but there's no one, as Neil said, there's no one there that I would feel comfortable taking this early in the draft. Um, for me, it boils down to three options, um, just based on my preferences. So I'd, I would either go with the three technique in Logan Hall, um, Kyler Gordon or Sky Moore, that would be my three kind of options. What I would I would probably lean away from Moore just based on the fact that I feel that we could probably get um, another um, good quality wide receiver either at 48 or even 71 or even later on. Um, I think you could even be, maybe be looking at trying to pick up uh, Alec Pierce. I don't think he's off the board yet. I don't imagine he would be off the board yet, but no, um, you know. Yeah, you'd absolutely possibly be able to pick him up um, in the third round. Um, so for me, it's between, the, it's between the three technique and the corner, both huge positions of need. And it's just a case of kind of looking at both of those situations and thinking, well, what is the biggest need right now? Defensive tackle. Now, you could argue, obviously, we know that uh, three technique is huge in Eberflus' system. It's the, it's the, the, the start of everything in that defense. Adding Justin Jones, um, having guys like Mario Edwards Jr. there as a backup would indicate that they've got a kind of decent look at the moment. But are either of those guys really the big, powerful, explosive player that Logan Hall is? Or, or what then the potential he could bring? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Um, you know, there's talk about maybe we could have, go back and get Ogan Joby back in again at some point after the draft. Are they going to be thinking like that? I don't know. If they're not for me, I think I'd probably go Logan Hall here. I would also feel comfortable picking up a, a corner later on as well. But I don't think there's any. I don't think there's the same caliber of the D tackle available later on in the draft as there is just now. So for me, I'd probably go the, go the way of Hall. I think. Um, but I'm also. I could be swayed by Kyler Gordon. Yeah. I agree to a certain extent, and Robert, I'm going to bring you in on on this one as well. Look, I'm I'm kind of half and half for two reasons, two completely different reasons. Now, I'll, for Kyler Gordon, I, like I worry about this Bears secondary mm-hmm. because they're that bad. But then, what the guys are saying is three techniques really important. The Bears showed how important it is by what they were going to pay Ogan Joby, and then the other thing is. If we get Logan Hall, I get to buy a Bears jersey with my own name on the back. So, like, well, so, 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 yeah. So, I think the most complicated piece about this, and granted, I'm going to be hitting y'all with my opinion on the Bears defense, I guess, but 
you have to go through, you have to rank your positions, and you're not allowed when you go and you rank positionally what matters within this defense. You can't say all 11 positions. You have to prioritize, we need this guy over this guy. We need that player over that player. And if you ask me, Matt Eberflus's cover two base defense is more safety heavy than it is corner heavy. It's more three tech heavy than it is edge heavy. And it's more linebacker heavy than a lot of other defenses because those linebackers have to do a lot. It's part of why the corner is, I don't want to say unimportant. It's more that it's just not, the deep and desperate need that having great corners is in something like a cover one, cover three defense, the kind of things that they run down in Tampa Bay. So while I totally hear you on Kyler Gordon, he's an awesome player. If anything, I'm honestly annoyed that Logan Hall fell to us because I don't think he'll be there. Like, yeah, and if I he know. is, he, I'm not going to be able to cheat. Like I know I can in this PFF sim, look at the fact that he's ranked number 72 and mutter something about how we could definitely get him at 48 or lower because I'm a cheater when it comes to mock drafts and I play the ranking. The point being that if we're earnest about what I think Matt Eberflus would do, the only big spend that the bears had this off season was handing a fat contract to a three tech that then failed his physical and could not play the position. So I think it only makes sense to draft Logan Hall in this setting. If he wasn't there, it, the Sky more question is really interesting because I think Sky is an awesome player. I also think that he plays a more similar role to Darnell Mooney than meets the eye. Everybody wants to say like, oh, they're not the same player, and they're not at all but they both play that z wide receiver or maybe a slot receiver role and i think the bears have such a desperate need at that outside x receiver that i have my eye on alec pierce and i think that if you traded back from either 39 or 48 you could scoop up picks while still getting your guy there and so if it's me based on the board i would take logan hall but if hall wasn't there i'd be looking at those seven trade back options because Trust me, you'd get a great deal for somebody saying, I need Sky Moore. And they'd be right. He looks really good. Yeah, I completely agree. Especially when you look at Logan Hall, he fits exactly what Eberflus looked for in that three technique. And I think if this were to happen, I think it's pretty much a no-brainer there if they were really wanting that kind of three tech, which we've said is one of the most important positions in this defense. And if you want them to be able to change the defense a little bit, you need to make sure you get that three technique that can make plays, that can be that kind of enforcer. And look, he's going to have to build a little bit more muscle, but the one thing is he likes those kind of, I guess, those taller kind of three techniques that he's brought in from, from before when he was at Indy. So I think that's where we'll go with this one. And we'll probably get some pretty decent offers based on this board when we get to 48, because there's still a fair amount of players that are there that I would be happy with at 39 or 48. So what we'll do is we'll put this one in with Logan Hall because so many people have agreed with it, uh, especially guys in the chat are very hyped over Logan <laughs> or Logan Hall as well. So we will put that one in and we will just say thank you for him falling down and we'll see kind of what goes on from there. It's uh, a couple of quarterbacks have gone between here. So this is a very good situation. The Bears are going to be in. Kyler Gordon goes one right ahead. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. So I guess the question, but the question is, because we can go back to the same, I'll do put up the same positions, except for um, three tech. I'll put in this and I'll put in corner as well. Um, because you still have 
Johan Dotson, Roger McCreary, Roger McCreary there. Abraham Lucas is still there. Jalen Talbert's there. Or do we look to try and trade down and accumulate more picks? Aldo, I'll start with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's see. We've got four. Is that four there? Uh, trade offers. Let's see what we've got there. Uh, the top uh, The top one is usually the best one. I've done this Kansas, a few times. Kansas City. Uh, oh, 50. So you only go down by two. Brett Veach in the yeah. earlier. Oh. It was Brett Veach in the phone. We knew it. <laughs> he just <laughs> <fell> too early. <laughs> well, let's see what happens if you offer them uh, the 48th for 50 and 94. I think that could be fair. Uh, they're uh, saying no. No. <laughs> Last try. Oh, we're getting closer to 103. Yeah. What does the rest of the team think about, you know, a, a deal like that where you're adding a player. The other thing that you can potentially do is uh, include in the package 150 and get their 135 in addition to that 50 and 103, 121 kind of thing. Yeah. You can you get, uh, can you get 94 if you go back to 62 instead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, You'd probably have to take 121 off the board. So that's, but... let's do this again. Um, let's go. So 48 and 62 and then 94. Can you get 94? Yeah. The so yeah. chances are you could probably throw in either 135 or 233 uh, and try to net two picks. This is something I do all you, the time. You could actually again, get both of them. Again, I'm a cheater and I've played them a little too many times. So I've, I've gotten used to what you can get, but I think you can net three picks, go down to 62. You'll have either Cole Strange, you'll have Godeke, you'll have Zach Tom, you'll probably have Alec Pierce. Like You'll have your pick of the litter of your, let's call it early third rounder there at 62, and you net a top 100 pick. To me, it's a no-brainer. How do we I'm feel about that, on that. I like guys that cheat in my draft room. So do I. I like it too. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna trade trade back and accumulate more late round picks, this is the draft to do it. And so, I am all for this move. If this is what we're gonna do. Fuck it, let's go for it then. Yeah. <laughs> so, offer the trade. It's been accepted, hey. and now we resume and we kick back while there's 14 picks going on. A bunch of Washington some wide State. receivers have gone. Roger McCreary goes. Brisker, Trey McBride. Abraham Lucas goes to the Packers. John Mechie just went. And now here we are. Jalen Tolbert is still available there. Uh, Luke Gadecki is available. Um, Chad Muma is available if you want to go linebacker. You still have Dylan Parham as a guard. Um, there's... Darian Kennard, Donovan West, Kyle Phillips, Perion Winfrey is available, Cole Strange, Calvin Austin. And there's probably, just because I know roughly where they are in this, there we go. There's Danny Gray and Alec Pierce are available later on. I know people would want us to talk a little bit about them. So what I'll do is we'll put in a couple of the positions. So we'll go wide receiver. We'll go offensive tackle. We'll go... Interior, I will go cornerback as well. So this is the top of the board right now. Um, so Robert, have a since you you were talking about trading back, what do you like uh, so far here when you kind of seen some of the guys that are available? 
If it was me, I would take Alec Pierce. Uh, again, this is where the board and I disagree. I don't think that he's number 98 overall. If anything, and somebody said this 62. in the chat. I, I know. If anything, uh, I think that there's it's a question of whether he gets to 62. Yeah. But I would consider a handcuff between him and Jalen Tolbert because I'm telling myself when I trade back like that, I don't think both of them go. I think one of them goes and I'll take the other. Now, both of them are available here. So I'll take the guy I like more personally. And I know this sounds ridiculous to a lot of people, but I think that Alec Pierce fits in that Van Jefferson, Gabriel Davis, or if you wanted to stretch it a little bit, DK Metcalf role, where you can stick him as an outside X wide receiver. And he supports Darnell Mooney by taking the top off of the defense while also running basically as fast as he can on just about every route, which gets him open on digs, yada, 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 scheme stuff, blah, blah, blah. But to me, I I think that he matters maybe more than picking out your specific guard because it's harder to replace a wide receiver as we've clearly seen. And so I'd take him and then let the rest of the chips fall as they may. Neil, I'm going to come to you next on, on this. We have a, a bunch of wide receivers available, a couple of the tackles, Luke Decky, Zach Tom. Uh, you have Dylan Parham on the interior. Um, there's Cannon Deesh is still available, Darren Kennard, Donovan West. You, you mentioned Cole Strange earlier on as well. Where are you looking at at this point in time? Are you looking offensive line? Do you agree that maybe this is the time to go for a guy like Alec Pierce? Or is there somebody else that you would have your eye on here? Let's just go specifically wide receivers on this drop on this uh, drop down. So it's what's left on this board from that position alone. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that can really you know clear a lot of things up. So Jalen Tolbert, highest on this particular board, Alec Pierce. We got 62, 71, and 9-4 left in the top 100, right? So, yeah. you know, you, I mean, Tolbert, Phil, and Gray Pierce love all five of those guys, to be honest with you, for a lot of different reasons. Um, beyond Ed Pierce, go ahead and scroll down for me. There's David Bell, like that. That's good value back there. Well, we could probably snag him at you know seventy one or ninety four, which is probably where he ends up. Yeah. Anyway. He ends yeah. up in the third round anyway. I think. Um, but yeah, you know the, the the point is is that you have probably five or six high value guys left between now and 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 the end of uh, round three. And I'll go specifically to uh, interior offensive line. I think there's a couple guys here listening on tackle that I really don't think are tackles. Yeah, like, uh, I know. You know. Zach Tom yeah. is a guy that I'm going to have at center. I'm not going to have him at tackle. I, I think he's a, you know, he could get you out the game at tackle. He's not projection at tackle. Um, Cole Strange right there is the third from the top on interior offensive lineman. That kind of scares you looking at, uh, and it's only seven picks, or uh, nine picks using advanced math. It's only nine picks between now and 71, but it kind of scares you a little bit. You know, big, big athletic dudes are hard to come by. Um. And then go to corners for me, just specifically corners. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'll throw out there that's kind of like Neil's hinting at is in the wide world of football, tackle is one of the hardest positions to learn out there. I mean, tight end is up there. I think obviously quarterback, and everybody knows that. But as for in terms of plug and play, you get a lot more plug and play defenders than you do offensive players. And the tackle is one of the hardest to come along and takes a while. So how many tackles really in this draft do you think are plug and play over Larry Borum in his second season? 
You don't even have to think the world of Larry Borum. You could just think that he's going to hold water at the spot. And like you're saying, Neil, I worry that a lot of these developmental tackle options, like Deesh, not a bad example here. I don't think he's starting over Borum. And no. if if you don't think he's starting over Borum, then maybe it doesn't have that like I need it value that some of the other positions on the Bears roster do. It's I, it's mm-hmm. it's so weird looking at this because obviously if we could, we'd take probably what twenty of the third rounders <laughs> and immediately yeah. slot them in. But you have to prioritize, and so like you're saying, I mean, you got to address the holes first. And I think that that goes to what Pauls was saying is that he was telling mm-hmm. us that the offensive line position here that it's deep in this draft he's essentially telling you that like if they're gonna go like if they're gonna go let's say interior they probably don't have to do that very early on the draft and people are gonna lose their minds because they're gonna be they're gonna be saying oh they still haven't addressed the offensive line but the one thing that i've always said is when you have a gm and an assistant gm that used to be offensive linemen they know what they're looking for like it goes back to the whole ryan bates conversation where most people didn't know who the dude was. And then suddenly they see that the bears are interested in them and then they start watching it. And then, and then everyone's like, Oh yeah, the bears need to go get this guy. Like that's where I have trust in whatever offensive lineman comes in that you can kind of rest assured that when you have two guys that have played the position, know what it's like, have had to go through it the hard way where they both were at UDFAs, they kind of know what they're looking for. But look, Neil, I'll, I'll continue here with you because we have the corners up here. Is there anybody here that you like at this position or would you be sticking with kind of either offensive line or a wide receiver? Guys I like, not guys that I love. You know what I mean? And, and for you're, you're yeah. still talking about second rounders, guarantee money, guys that you need to come in and play right away, right? Guys that I like, guys that, that I don't love. Um, guys that are going to take a little bit of a, of a you know, Oh, developmental period to get to get you get them to where you need them to be, if, if that makes sense. Like, uh, you know, for yeah, Demario Mathis, I think he needs more seasoning, more coaching. He he can kind of get lost on routes. I do love his physicality and his style of play fits very well. Mark Emerson is a guy that 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 can run well, that has great length and size, that that plays physical. Again, a guy that, that that's physical and can move in open space. Uh, I think you know there's a lot of difference of, a, of opinion on whether or not you know he can play. Uh, you know, off coverage uh, in some all 22 film I've seen of, of him against LSU in Alabama. I've, I've seen him playing off coverage. Now, again, like Damari, he's a guy that does need a little bit more seasoning to get him where he needs him to be. He's not, they aren't guys that you take, you know, anywhere in round two, in my opinion, like I said before, because of the guaranteed cash. If you go below Martin Emerson, I'm not, I'm not saying any of these guys are going to be, you know, takeable in round two, but one, you know, the greater point I'm getting at is that you have guys like Zion Collin, Alante Taylor, Kaylon Barnes, uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, four other guys that are gettable, again, using Robert's uh, analogy, cheating, if you will. If you look yeah. at, at wherever they fall in, in the uh, the draft projection, you can get these guys later. Obviously, we don't have that kind of luxury if, if we're at, in the actual draft room. I think, you know, Zion McCollum is a guy that goes round three. I think Alante Taylor is a guy that goes round three. Martin Emerson is a guy that goes round three. And Martin Mads, I really honestly think he's probably late day three or late, late uh, round three, early round four type of guy. Yeah. So we're at the back end of round two. We still have two more picks until we got out today. Um, to me, I'm going to stick with either wide receiver or offensive line. I think those are, given the the options left available and where the projections are, if you're cheating a little bit. But still, in my mind, I feel like you know those players that are left, 
are still gettable later on. I'm not so sure that Cole Strange, being the one guy on the interior offensive line left on the board, is going to be gettable in the next, you know, couple handfuls of picks. And so, you know, to me, if I'm looking at what's left on my board, that the guy at the position that is pretty much like the Lone Ranger right now is probably where I'm going as the one guy left on the board at that position. I think it's a tremendous value that I'll go ahead and get right away. Okay, so Tony and Aldo, because we have these two guys, one wants Alec Pierce, other ones talking about Cole Strange. Tony, I'm going to go to you first. Do you want to see a wide receiver at this point in time, or do you feel like you can wait a little bit, or are you kind of going in on kind of the interior offensive line and trying to shore up that right guard position, which realistically right now for the Bears looks pretty ugly? Yeah, I mean, firstly, keep in mind, we're going to be picking again in nine picks. Um so I'm comfortable that I could still pick up a guy who plays interior offensive line, um, who I would who I'd be happy to to kind of put in there. The question I would ask you is, um, if you don't pick up your big X receiver now, when do when do you do that? There's there's the threat that you can you know, and there's some great receivers later on in the draft, but whether they fit that particular role or not, I don't know. I think Alec Pierce fits into the scheme very very well. Um, Obviously, he's got some a bit of development to do, but you know this 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 season is all about developing the team and the scheme and everything that goes along with that, so we can grow together. So for me, if you don't take Alec Pierce just now, you have a, you have the, the the possibility of not being able to pick up a similar type of player later on. Whereas I feel if you don't take, you know, for example, Cole Strange just now, that I would be comfortable that I would probably be able to get um another interior offensive lineman later on so for me my argument would be uh go for pierce he's not only the the kind of i wouldn't say he's the bigger need but he's definitely one of the biggest needs but he fits the scheme perfectly and he's got bags of potential and it's you know possible future wide receiver one for us if, if it all goes to plan you know and we missed out on some of the, some of the guys before and and um and, and pickings, etc. So, you know, for me, this would be the next the next option down, and I think we have to jump on it just now. All right, Aldo, it's coming to you now. You you've heard all the comments from all the different people within the front office. You have an opportunity to make this selection. What direction are you going? I'm handing it off to you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm going to make the case for drafting the offensive lineman because. You know, there are still going to be some good wide receivers available coming up. And uh, but what's most important is to find the five starters on your offensive line so that they can begin to develop the cohesion that is necessary to be a top ranked unit. And so the quicker you can find that chemistry between those five offensive linemen, the better. So. Let's go for the top player on the board who is an offensive lineman and then get them to work so that they can d develop the chemistry that is necessary. A wide, wide receivers, you know, uh, to Robert's point, you know, uh, about offensive linemen need to learn more. Well, that's part of the reason you want them to, to get in as early as possible. I know, Robert, you were referring specifically to a tackle, but the same goes through goes to offensive linemen as a whole. It's a, it's a very difficult position and that shoulder to shoulder teamwork that's necessary to become a great unit needs to start early and, and, and develop 
as quickly as possible if you're going to start to win games. And not only will, will it help Justin Fields, but it will help this rushing attack because if we're going to win games in 2022, uh, we're going to have to have a, a, a great rushing attack with Montgomery, Herbert, and I think that this team is probably going to find a really a gem of a running back either late uh, on day three or as an undrafted free agent. So I'm leaning towards uh, offensive line. So I think it, it comes down to you to make that decision. Yeah, ab abso absolutely. Look, Neil made a very good case there for Cole Strange. I think he would uh, he would be very mad at me if I went and went for a completely different offensive lineman here. So I think what we're going to do is I trust, I trust the people within my front office. So I, I I trust their opinion. So we will go with Colour Strange in this. And like Robert said, maybe cheating this system a little bit, we may end up getting Pierce the gonna receiver be anyway. Yeah. You know, you know Pierce is going to be there. So <laughs> It'll be funnier now if he, if he's not going to be there. But Luxury of course, we'll guys, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, you need that. Yep. And Jalen Tober just went. So mm -hmm. I think I think we had this conversation already. So I think we already know where we're going with his selection. So we won't waste any time here. We will go and take the wide receiver, unless anybody mm -hmm. wants to say anything else. But I think we spoke enough about the other option cons considering he's here. Like I said, and a lot of the guys in the chat have said it as well. I don't and Robert, you mentioned it yourself. I don't think Alec Pierce is going to get to 71 when it actually comes to the draft. I see him as the way it sounds from all the talk that's going. He's probably middle of round two. Um, I would just be aware if you want, because it's complicated. Yeah. Right? The problem here is envision a player that's a very specific type of player. Yeah. A lot of teams, if you added Alec Pierce to the Vikings, for instance, they would probably try to play him on the inside because why on earth would you not play Justin Jefferson on the outside? Yeah. There are a lot of teams out there that they don't use a star Z receiver, if you will. The Bears do. It's Darnell Mooney. I mean, people have been having the whole wide receiver one conversation for what? two months on like whether Mooney is or isn't a wide receiver one and the guy's a thousand yard receiver say what you will that's hard to do but most teams are still on the whole we have a big x receiver and that is our superstar Pierce isn't going to be that but he doesn't make a lot of sense on the inside so if you will his overall grading is relatively low but to teams that would fit him in like the bears the rams if they needed somebody the packers make a lot of sense here because he would basically be marquez valdez scantling and alan lazard in one player so you'd get one guy that could play what two guys normally do and the teams that like him and would fit him i tend to think they're going to fight over him like, honestly, somebody was saying this to me earlier. I'm not 100% sure that they make it to 62. I just don't know. It's hard to tell, right? But on the board, he's going to have a lower grade than uh, than other guys because he's less complete, even though he's better at what he's good at than some guys are at their best trait. Yeah, I think that the Bears and Indy may be fighting for his services because when it, whenever you hear about Indianapolis – He's one of the names that constantly comes up with a lot of the beat reporters there when people ask them about who they would like the, them to target in the second round. So it'll be interesting. But look, what we will do is we will select them here at 71. And we'll just sit back and wait for whenever 94 gets there and see what's going to be available. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens, whether it be we've gone kind of offensive line, um, 
we've got now the wide receiver as well. Like it's it's interesting to see what's gonna what's gonna come up. Um, there's a couple of Cam Jurgens goes, Daniel Pierce, and Brian Cook just goes. So mm. at the top of the draft board here, you have Marcus Jones, cornerback, Kellen Deesh, um, Dominique Robinson from Miami, Kyle Phillips, um, Danny Gray, Damari Mathis that Neil was talking about earlier, Khalil Shakir, um, Luke Fortner, if you wanted to go uh, center. Um, Aldo, I'm going to I'm gonna come to you, and I'm going to circle a name just because he's been one guy that I've been kind of – I've been very high on from the very start, and he's – at, at the beginning, not a lot of people were talking about him. Now everybody's talking about him. And it's the tight end, Jelani Woods. What, what do you think of that position going forward? Do you think it's enough just having Cole Komet? Do you think at this point in time, there's just other positions that might be a little bit more important? And what do you think of the prospect? No, I like Jelani Woods a lot, and I think he would make a lot of sense for this offense. There is nothing wrong with uh, having a two-tight-end offense. We've seen the New England Patriots have great success with it. It's become a model for other teams. Uh, Jelani Woods is probably wouldn't be my choice here, but given that we have uh, – we've got two, three, uh, four other choices that aren't too far away – um, if I'm getting a good argument for Jelani Woods that he fits into a two tight end offense and we can run that offense with Darnell Mooney, play that formation, I'm, I'm all for that. Now, you know, tight ends, usually it's year two or three before they truly develop into what they are going to be. And I expect Cole Komet to have a big jump. He had, what, 60-plus catches uh, uh, this past season. I expect that comp- that, that the chemistry between him and Justin Fields to flourish. So um, so the, it's it's a tough case. I, I don't have an answer for you, but I would entertain. If I was in your shoes, I would entertain arguments from the, from the team about Jelani Woods over uh, some of the other need areas, which include, again, I, I, I still feel that safety is a huge position uh, position of need. I feel uh, like more depth uh, is needed at the wide receiver position. I've also had my computer open to see where are some of the free agent uh, strengths at, at certain positions because this is going to have to go back to the free agency well to shore up some other positions. Uh, uh, post talk about how they're going to be really involved with undrafted. Unfortunately, there's a, a pool of money that every team has, and if the Bears think that they're going to address a lot of those needs uh, through undrafted free agents, that really just means that you're going to get a lot of mediocre, below average uh, players. Because if you if you use a, a lot of that pool money for one particular player that you have, then you're really not now scraping the bottom of the barrel. So free agency, uh, a veteran free agency, undrafted free agency are other player acquisition uh, tools that polls has available to him. So we have to keep that in mind as we make these selections going forward. Absolutely. Robert, I'm going to come to you next. Is there any position that you look at here where, you think that it's an important area to go, whether it be cornerback, if you go tackle it, a guy like Alan Deesh, or do you kind of double up and try and get another wide receiver at this point? Well, uh, I am a nerd with a capital N, 
So obviously <laughs> wide receiver uh, makes a lot of sense here because adding more talent at a position that the bears have fundamentally not addressed. Yes. They got Byron Pringle, but given that they lost pretty much their whole wide receiver room, they do need to stock it with bodies. But also, I mean, when you scroll up and you take a look at that corner that's still left on there, in particular, what Marcus Jones would offer is a potential future nickel. Because if there's one position that I do think is more important in the Bears defense than it is in basically any other defense, it's that nickel corner. And yes, everybody obviously knows just how effective Bryce Callahan was in 2018 and Buster Screen's well-documented struggles. But that nickel corner has to play a lot of man vertical roles, a lot of underneath sitting roles, and the Bears are down a returner. So Marcus Jones is certainly somebody to consider because he would add a lot of the returning juice that the bears lost with Tariq Cohen. That said, I'm super flexible. If there's a defensive lineman you guys are into, I'm all for it. The safeties that I would otherwise want are probably gone. So I'm sitting around waiting until I can pick JT woods in like the fifth round and also keeping an eye on probably Pierre strong, the running back, but I would have a lot of options here. You're not going to hear me banging the table for one person in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, I'm going to come to you next. Where where do you see it going here? There's a lot of kind of still very good wide receivers that are available. Like Robert said, the wide receiver room has essentially been decimated, and you're going to need to – if you're going to draft one, you're going to need to pick up a couple more in that UDFA market, or maybe you're going to sign one after, after the draft. There's a couple of good corners here as well, which is another position where there's just not a lot of bodies for the Bears right now, and you could easily mm-hmm. see them drafting – at least one of each and possibly trying to target that as UDFAs start coming off the board once it's the end of the seventh round. So why are you targeting at this point in time? I'm going somewhere in secondary. Um, if, if you look at what we have going on in the corner room, you know, Jalen Johnson is is definitely a one or two. If you look at what happened outside of uh, Jalen Johnson, you're looking at Thomas Graham, who I feel personally is your other corner on the outside. I know that there's, there's a lot of, of unprovenness about the idea of that, and he did spend the entire last year on the practice squad, which infuriates me to know because you know he came back on, uh, he he came onto the active report the tail end last year and played some very good football, and he you know showed some flashes of what he could be. And if I go back to my evaluation of him last last year, I look at my notes, I probably had him graded somewhere in uh, you know three, really four. You know, he, he was a guy that uh, fits very well into what the Bears are doing now. He's a very good off-corner. He can spike well. He, he can, uh, you know, he's got very good, uh, you know, quickness and short area burst. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think, you know, with really good off-season, uh, spending a lot of time with, with these new coaches could develop into your other guy opposite Jalen Johnson. And then Tavon Young. Is it Young? Tavon Young? Yeah, uh, Tavon we Young. Just, we just signed a free agency. Very good nickel corner. I think. Think you have that option secured if and only if the kids stay healthy, which he's had a hard time doing, right? He, he's got that history, so um, that kind of scares you a little bit. And then, you know, you also have you know the guys you know, uh, on, on the uh, on the uh, the outside as well, uh, Kendall Vildor, who again is a little unproven, um, has missed you know assignments last year, you know, drive sessions, things that drive you up the wall, um. But a guy that's still, again, like we we talked on our show, a guy that has promise. Both both Thomas Graham and Kendall Vildor are guys that have some promise, and I think you know, with, with off seasons we could see them develop into guys. But again, you're talking about a lot of unprovenness with with that cornerback room, and that scares the hell out of you. If you look at the Sage room, 
you have number one, a lack of bodies, but number two, and I think more importantly, a lack of reliability. You know, Eddie Jackson has driven me up a little bit no end over the past, you know, couple of years with his inability to tackle and, and be functional as, as a fender. You have uh, uh, Houston Carson, who we've resigned to another one-year deal, who's a special teams ace, albeit, but has been unproven, um, consistent, steady, but unproven as as a as the guy, you know, playing strong safety. And then we, we brought in uh, uh, Dean Crookshank, who, yeah. you know, is, is explosive and physical. He's got those tendencies. But again, you're talking about a guy that hasn't played full a you know, full season worth of you know starting strong safety, and so there's way too much unproven stuff going on in in both of those rooms for me to not take a really good uh, you know potential stud in uh, in this area of the draft, and, you know somewhere in in secondary of uh, you know of our options. So um, I'm probably going to lean on going uh, corner here, but I also want to see my options at safety. I'm not sure exactly what's left. Um, Scroll up just, just real quick. I, I I didn't see the top of the list there. Okay, so yeah, Marcus Jones. Like to me, you know, Marcus Jones scares the hell out of me. I, I think that he's going to end up being a, a special teams guy solely with, you know, five eight, sub thirty arms, small hand. Like everything about him is small. Granted, he's explosive and he's a playmaker, and that's great. And if you don't, he doesn't, you know, make his money as a as a corner or as a nickel. Uh, you know, you got you probably have special teams days, which is fine, but you can't. To me, you, you, you can't risk uh, not taking a guy that you depend on growing into your number two corner uh, with a guy with, with those those measurables. Demar Mathis, like I said before, is a guy that uh, has the physicality that can play off ball, needs to need, needs to grow into the position a bit more, needs more seasoning, develop those instincts more. Um, and, uh, you know, a little further on down, I saw Zion Collins is still available, which is probably right around here where I expect him to go. Like I said, you know, around three early round four is probably where he ends up Alante Taylor the same way I love Zion McCollum's uh natural movement and and uh you know what he did and the underwear Olympics in Indianapolis a lot more than than uh Alante Taylor but Alante Taylor is so much more physical than Zion McCollum and I think Alante Taylor if he's not corner he's absolutely a safety uh go ahead and scroll on down just a little bit more that's Alante Taylor uh, Kobe Bryant's a, a guy that I feel is very fluid in space. You know, he's a guy that has played a lot of off coverage when he was in Cincinnati. Um, you know, he won the Thorpe Award because he was the only guy that was thrown to on that defense, and he made a lot of plays. Uh, you know, granted, he's not a finished product yet. He's, he's not the guy that is a plug-and-play dude. He's going to come in and compete, though, and you're going to have three guys essentially competing for that number two corner side. He would probably in, in a real world fall right around here as well. So in terms of your options at, at corner, you got some, some options that would fall right around this area that, that'll be tasty, you know, options for us. And you would look at what we're taking. If you go to, to the safeties, uh, or safeties are included in this, aren't they? Yeah, they're included. My, my, my screen's so you... super small, guys. I apologize. <laughs> You're okay. You, you have JT Woods, you have Varel McKinley, um, who else do we have right. here? There was one or two up here. Tyson Anderson, Dan Belton. Um, guys that I think honestly be around late as, as well, yeah. or, or at least, you know, past pick 94, right? So, yeah. um, me, I'm, I'm going for corner here. I'm going with either Lante Taylor, McCollum. Um, those would probably be my first two. Uh, Damar Mathis, I think, would in a real world still be around to, you know, 135-ish maybe. Uh, I say maybe <laughs> with, with great emphasis. 
um, and Kobe Bryant. I think those are the, those are the three guys that I would probably, if, if it was me and I was in that draft room and my ass was on the line, those are probably the three guys I'm probably tossing around and looking at my board, seeing who's highest, and that's probably where I go at, at this pick at 94. Okay, very good. And Tony, I'm going to bring you in here. Do you agree in that you go cornerback here, or do you think that maybe you double up on those wide receivers? A couple of guys in the chat are, are talking about some of the wide receivers that were available. We had, like, Khalil Shakir was available, Romeo Dubes. Did. Let me just throw in so I can... Danny Gray was there as well. Accurate. Yeah, Danny Gray, Kyle Phillips was there as well. Um, David Bell is still available as well. So you already, we already went and, and got one. <laughs> you got one guy. So what would you be looking at here? Would you, do you agree with Neil that maybe it's just time you're going to need to get a, a corner at some point in time? And like you see here, Zion McCollum, if we want to cheat, like Robert says. Like his average one is 106. So you're not, he's not going to be there. Obviously, guys like David Bell, Khalil Shakir, Romeo Dubes, um, Danny Gray, who you've spoken about before, are not going to be there when we pick at 135. So where are you leaning? And convince me otherwise if you do not agree with Neil. Yeah. I mean, there's a few different options at the moment. I mean, you look, Kellen Dish, yeah, you know. It's more of a developmental tackle for me. I think it's maybe at this point, you know, you're looking in the third round to still kind of get some guys that can go in there and, and possibly start. And I don't think Dish is probably the, the answer uh, at the moment. For me, you're looking, there's two wide receivers there. Danny Gray, um, you know, six foot two, ran a four three. Um, you know, he's just electric kind of guy, big target guy as well. He's already visited the Bears. Um, so, you know, when there's smoke, there's usually fire. Similar, though, with um, a guy like Khalid Shakir, he's, he's also visited the Bears. Really good route runner, great ball skills. Um, again, 4'4 guy, 5'11. You know, so they're they two guys that really kind of stand out to me. I still love Jelani Woods. <laughs> you can't argue a six foot seven tight end with a huge wingspan, big physical guy who runs a 4'6. You know, like... That's you getting your, you know, your sort of Jimmy Graham throw the ball up, get create mismatches. He's going to get the ball in the end zone kind of guy. And it'd be a tremendous outlet for Justin Fields. Um, so, you know, and I, I know there's other needs, but when I see him, I just, I just kind of feel like a, a really, a really one. Marcus Jones, yeah, we talked about him, but again, so I think it was Neil mentioned Kobe Bryant. I really like Kobe Bryant. Um, at this point in the draft as well. I think corner is a huge need. We haven't picked one up yet because it hasn't really, the board hasn't fallen that way. I think it might be different come the actual draft. I think the Bears will probably end up taking a corner earlier than most expect. Um, but Kobe Bryant, for me, is a guy I think is kind of flying under the radar a wee bit um, with him having played opposite Gardner, who, you know, obviously is taking all the limelight. Um, I feel like I feel like sometimes the contribution that a guy like Bryant makes to your team can go slightly unnoticed. So I would be a huge fan of, of drafting him here as well. So for me, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of liking one of the two receivers, Gray or Shakir, um, Bryant. If we're going to go corner, but you know, if if they if we wanted to go crazy and take Jelani Woods, then I, again, I, I just I just really like him, you know. But sensibly. 
I think I think you're probably best taking the corner just now, and and I think there's other receivers later on that you could probably pick up. Maybe not with the same size and speed combination, but certainly um, some talented, fast uh, players further down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Although last thing I'm going to come to you is I'm going to. We've heard everything that people have said here in terms of the cornerback, obviously very important position, and completely agree. Most of these guys that if we don't pick them now, will be gone by 135. But then I also want to say that there is guys like Khalil Shakir, that's a very good wide receiver. You have David Bell, who I think everybody was kind of hyping up during the season, and then suddenly with seeing all the testing numbers has gone completely down. He's still available here. What would you like to see the Bears do in this situation if you had some of those receivers and you had some of those corners? Would you prefer them to go on the defensive side of the ball or go up and load up on offense? Yeah, I, it, to me, this is a really, really tough choice. Uh, I like the two players that I like the most uh, of all of these that have been discussed are Marcus Jones, and I know that uh, that's not going to make Neil happy, but I really do believe that this guy can help out at that slot cornerback position he'd be competing with the free agent acquisition of Tavon Young but Tavon is under a one-year contract and so if Marcus Jones is going to see some spot duty at that slot position and play behind a veteran and learn uh, about the NFL game then that's all the better for him but he can immediately pay off dividends with the special team play the other thing is that David Bell is a football player he is a guy I would love to have on this football team because he makes plays. His draft stock value went down after his poor uh, running at the combine, but I, I, I'm not paying attention to that metric. So it, it really comes down to those two guys. I think both of them would be welcome guys on, on the Chicago Bears. Yeah, honestly, that that's where I was leaning as well, David Bell. And the main reason for it is we had Thomas Graham Jr. on this show. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with our guy. <laughs> I'm gonna say that he's gonna be he's gonna be able to be that outside corner and hopefully, like we said, Tavon Young coming in, maybe you'll be able to do something there. I feel like you can get kind of you might be able to get a nickel corner later on. I'm not I like some of the guys. I like Zion McCollum, I like Alante Taylor, I like Kobe Bryant. We've mentioned it a couple of times, Tony, but when if David Bell is falling to this point of the draft and a lot of it might be just because of, like you said, the testing numbers, because everybody was talking about him during the season. I've seen that this wide receiver room needs talent. You you know what can happen with wide receivers often. You never know. You you drafted Alec Pierce early, and if he doesn't work out, you have that second option where you have David Bell there as well. So I'm going to not listen to some people in the draft room. I go for my own guy, and I'm going to go for David Bell. <laughs> you know, we could just skip that entire conversation there. <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I don't care. <laughs> Pretty much, Doubt. yeah. It's just like the Trubisky-John Fox thing. You just completely threw your room out <laughs> and picked your own guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I, I went from I went for my own guy, but look, I I saw that the it, it matched up at that particular point. We have another pick here anyway, so we'll see who's available. Uh, I'll do the same sort of position. So again, we'll put tight end up there. We'll put offensive tackle in case anybody wants to see that. Interior offensive line. 
we'll see what corners are here as well. And then finally safety. So we have a pretty good idea of what's available. So uh, at this point in time, I'm going to go to you, Robert. Um, so we have a couple of different ones. So again, according to this, top of the board is a safety corner, Titan Anderson, Joshua Williams. Um, I'm going to say in terms of offensive line, my favorite guy that's available here just from the just from the top, I really like Josh Azudu. <laughs> he's, he's one guy that I just love watching because he likes to attack people. And that's what I like in my offensive linemen. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. We have Aconquo, who's a tight end, tested really well. He was came in as a he visited um Halas Hall. You have JT Woods, who you mentioned earlier as a possible safety. Um so what do you think here? You have Josh Job as a as a cornerback option um as well. So what are you thinking here? My uh my audience knows me too well, and Agent Bull already <laughs> called it that I am gonna be talking about JT Woods here. I think that with Dane Cruikshank being the current Bears starting safety, that they're looking for more there. And personally, I think that safety is a position that you can find a lot of value in later in the draft because, to be really blunt, I think a lot of people have no idea what they're looking for when they're looking for safeties because there's yeah. like 28, 29 different variations of how to play safety across the NFL. Every defense has fundamentally their own rules. And then every team, has they redesign how the cover two safety is going to play or how the safety A or safety B are going to play. And so it can be hard to find what you want another guy that i would think if you don't want to pick jt you could pick tyson anderson same difference i think they're both very good safeties and in jt's case i know him a lot better he went to my alma mater he's a track guy all the range in the world really good coming forward which i think works well because eddie jackson showed us say what you will about him that he's versatile he can make plays in the box he can make plays falling deep he can make plays in the mid-level of the defense and that means that in theory you could play jt woods as your center field safety and eddie jackson is more of your disguised swiss army knife safety they could truly be anywhere on the field at any time I think safety is the move here, personally, though there are going to be some other t- prospects like Chig's right there, and he's probably not falling to 150, and I know somebody's going to yeah. say his name. A Conquo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good. Although I'm going to bring you in here. There's a couple of interesting prospects. If you want to go interior offensive line, there's a couple there. Um, you have Taylor Mumford, I mentioned, um, Zunu earlier. Um Josh Williams as a cornerback. You have uh, Josh Job, the two Joshes as corners. You have a couple of safeties there, JT Woods, Verrell McKinley. Um, and then, like Robert said, kind of a Conquo who, like I said, came into Hallis Hall. He tested really, really well. Will kind of be that extra weapon. You don't really cut mainly because of the size. But what's uh, what would be your opinion at this point in time? I'm with Robert here on his assessment of uh, safeties overall. There are so many different variations of the safety position in today's NFL. Uh, And so uh, what exactly it is that Eberflus is looking for in a safety can be interpreted a couple of different ways, at least a couple of different ways. But I think that safety is the move here because I'm very worried about the depth at that position. And I understand what uh, Robert is saying about Eddie Jackson and that Eddie Jackson really can play various different positions. But the, unfortunately, the fact of the matter is, is that I don't know how much he really wants it. You know, 
when you talk to a player, you can, you can kind of get a sense if he really wants to be the absolute uh, best. It's like Ryan Pohl said in one of his first, first press conferences. He talked about wanting to have players who are going to be the absolute best and have that diehard personality to want to see their name up on uh, on big screens or on the wall of fame or, 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 or what have you. And I'm not sure Eddie Jackson wants that wants that as badly as he just wants to be a star with uh, turnovers. So I um, I really want to focus on the safety position uh, in this draft. Now Tyson Anderson is really the only one that I've seen considerable tape on at this position. I was very impressed with him and impressed with some of the reports that. Uh, that I've read on him. So he would be at the top of my list, a very short list of one person. <laughs> so uh, I'll defer to the others in the room uh, regarding safeties. Hopefully they feel the same way I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come to you next, Tony. We've seen a couple of guys here. What are you looking at for at this point in time? We've mentioned a few of them, kind of JT Woods, we've talk, spoken about in the past. We've spoken about Okonkwo in the past. I know you had him in, in your mock draft just yesterday. Um, is there anybody else there? I know there's been a couple of comments about Matt Walesko as the offensive tackle from North Dakota. Is there anybody else here that kind of sticks out to you that you would be up for consideration at this point in time? Yeah, I do like I do like uh, Matt uh, Walesko. You know, he's a big six foot eight guy, but he ran he ran a forty and five oh three or something like that. You know, it's something. Yeah, he's he's, a, he's just a big, powerful guy. Good mover, fits the scheme again, you know. And and you know, keep in mind all the kind of offensive line, general manager connections, and all that kind of stuff. Have we addressed it enough in the draft so far? Um, it's certainly something to consider. Um, I think he would be a really good fit in the scheme. Uh, a Conco, I obviously I really love uh, that player. So versatile, um, you know. For a tight end, not a huge guy, but um, he's he's one of those kind of guys that you could just kind of get him play in a lot of different scenarios. And I think for a team like the Bears, again, you're trying to look for for options and versatility. Then Aconco is certainly someone that, that brings that. But I, at the same time, understand and recognize the need for safety uh, help. I think JT Woods is is one of is probably. You know, one of the top two options for me at the moment here. Um, you know, we, we talked about Eddie Jackson. Um, and we remember what Eddie Jackson was like when he had Adrian Amos alongside him. You know, he looked like a different player. Now, I'm not saying that GT Woods and Adrian Amos are the same players because they're not. But if you have a certain caliber of player alongside Jackson, it does sort of help sometimes. And also, if Jackson in the long term isn't working out, you're going to have to think of a long-term replacement to safety anyway. So JT Woods would be a guy that would possibly fit that bill, depends on how things go. So for me at the moment, I'm kind of torn between... Uh, a Conco keeps pulling me in. I keep pull, getting pulled in by these tight ends. Um, but, you know, Conco, JT Woods, I do like Willette's go, but I'm thinking in terms of, um, at the moment, the... the you know, the value pick is probably JT Woods. Uh, I think I would probably go safety currently. Okay, Neil, last but not least, where are you looking at at this point in time? Um, I'm on board with everybody else. Uh, safety is uh, the next most pressing need that's left on the board to address. And unfortunately, if you could just go 
straight to safety there for McCarron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight well to the uh, safeties to see what's going on there from Edwards specifically. Um, I do like the idea of JT Woods. I think he gives you a lot of value, not just in what he does in the field, but you look at some of these measurables, you know, six, one and three quarters, 195, 32 and six ace arms, 70, uh, seven and, and three ace, uh, you know, wingspan, ran a four, three, six, uh, 39 and a half inch vertical, 10, eight broad jump, four, one, nine shuttle, six, nine, four, three cone. All the, all, all of the, the speed explosion and movement numbers are elite, right? And, you know, I felt the same way about Zion McCollum when I, when I was uh, evaluating his film. Like, he has the same level of uh, uniquely elite uh, across-the-board measurables. And, and it's hard to turn that down when you're, when you're talking about a guy that just needs a little bit more seasoning on, on top of, of, the, of the entree, right? So, uh, you know, JT Woods is hard to pass up. Uh, Tyson Anderson, I'm going to lean on Aldo. I haven't seen as much of film on Tyson Anderson as he has. Um, you know, Verone McKinley. It's an interesting pick. Um, everybody else doesn't necessarily excite me as much. If you can go ahead and scroll down for me there, Karen. Um, Sterling Weatherford, you know, that, that it's funny that he shows up as safe. I think he's going to end up being a linebacker. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's got massive size. I think he still has growth potential. I think that that dude is going to end up being, you know, something nasty, you know, playing at the second level. Uh, Brad Hawkins was a guy that, that came into the season with a lot of hype that kind of dissipated a little bit. And then Juan Thomas is a guy that, uh, you know, does have spectacular film, right? Like his speed isn't great, and he doesn't have all the wild plays, the eye openers, and everything else. But what he did, I often look at times like how guys performance in some of these these, uh, these all star games. I know that's not an end all be all. You know, the practice film is what it is, the game is what it is. But if, if you figure out a way to stand out and be a playmaker in an all star game, to me, that's, that's something. It definitely doesn't, you know, move you up, up or down the board. More often than not, I'll I'll let it influence you moving up. It'll never you know influence me to move you down. I always talk about these off-season events as, as uh, events of uh, you know affirmation, not confirmation. Basically, yeah. what you see should equal what you, what you see on, on the all. Should pretty much affirm what you see on the film or what you see live when you're there in person because you should be good enough at, at your at your job. You should trust your eyes enough to know what you're looking at. Um, Juan Ye, you know, impressed me during that all-star game showing his physicality um, and, uh, and and all those types of things. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think that we're still a little bit too high, uh, far up in a draft order to uh, take Juan Ye for his value where he shows up. So uh, JT Woods, to me, is where you go. If there is anybody else on that board that presents more value in terms of position right now that that's in need of addressing. Yeah, I think that's a very unanimous pick right there. So we will go with JT Woods and just uh, sit back until the fifth round where you have two picks pretty much back-to-back. You just have one in between. Um, and essentially, you have similar ones there. Now, before we start talking about some of the same players that are still available, so obviously there's still Tyson Anderson, there's Matt Waletsko that's there, Joshua Zudu that's there, Um Conquo is still there as well. Um, Ty Chandler, if you want to go running back, Thomas Booker is a defensive lineman. There's one player here that there's no way in hell he'd be here if he didn't sustain his injury. And Robert, I'm going to bring you in on this one. And that's Damon Clark from LSU. He's a guy that before the injury, I had him pegged as kind of a second round pick. And just kind of an, a nasty linebacker. I think he would fit in really well here. Unfortunately, he is injured, so you're making this pick and you know he's not going to play. So 
at what point in time, if he was on the board, would you say that you would be willing to take that risk considering we traded down and got all these extra picks or do you like anybody else that's currently on the board more than that option? For me, it a hundred percent depends on what the direction the team wants to go in the future is right. Linebackers a complicated one because not only did maybe it was Chris Ballard, maybe it was Matt Eberflus, but there were some very clear length restrictions on how the Colts wanted to draft their linebackers. And we don't really know what Eberflus's preferences are right now, but the Bears added Morrow at the position. They added Roquan Smith, and they definitely need to add more to build out a linebacker room. But it's one of the positions, the rare positions, that is, that actually got addressed to some degree. Now, if they love Damon Clark, because I'm with you. I mean, his tape looked great, but we're obviously not doctors, and we don't have the privilege of evaluating him. Then I definitely would consider it. And if not, you've got players like, uh, I, honestly, right there at the bottom of your screen, Pierre Strong Jr. He is mm-hmm. a natural fit at outside uh, in an outside zone running system. I'm a huge fan of taking athletic running backs in the fifth or sixth round. Honestly, I would take one just about every year because you can never quite have enough running backs. Guys get hurt. Guys end up leaving the team or or in the Bears case, they have to make the I don't even want to get into the Monty conversation. But setting that <laughs> aside, if you did think that you were going to move on in the future, Strong would be a nice way to try to buoy the position going forward, given I think he's a really good fit for this offense and would take up a very Herbert-esque role. Yeah, although I'm going to come to you next. With that in mind, there's he's an option there at Damon Clark. There's like we said, there's still some of those kind of guards, tackles. You have Matt Walesco. Josh Azudu, yeah, as Robert was talking about, Pierre Strong at running back, if you wanted to bring someone like that in. Um, we still have Chiga Conquo still available there. Where are you looking at this point of the draft? Well, um, as Robert pointed out, you got these two picks really coming almost back-to-back. The Panthers are in between, so really you got to almost look at their board and what their needs are and so forth. I'd like to ask a question. Is the punter the fan favorite punter, Matt? Uh, no. I know, I know. It's 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 not one of my favorite things to do, but there is it is undeniable that he's a special talent. And well, he's a punter, Aldo. I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know teams, guys. A, a team like this like the Chicago Bears, who are going to need excellence in special teams, uh, you know, to have a punter who can uh, push the opposing team offense down inside their own 10, 15-yard line is is a goldmine. And I'm not, you know, and so maybe you t- uh, pick them after the Panthers pick because the Panthers have uh, Johnny Hecker. They signed uh, Johnny Hecker, so we'll, unlikely. So I would I would just like to throw that out there. But my, my preference for this first pick in this round is Matt Willetsko. I, I got the opportunity after uh, Danny and Neil talked about him on one of our first drafts on tap shows. I went back and, and looked at more video of him. I think that this guy is uh, – and somebody in the chat said that he might, he might be a better left tackle than Larry Borum, and I, I agree with that. I think it was Cox. So I, – I, I like him a lot and would put him uh, as the first pick of, of this uh, fifth round. Yeah, I, I honestly agree because at this point in time, it's good to try and stack up because you may not, you, you may pick a, 
a lineman here and they may not amount to anything. But if you do at this point in the draft, you're you're playing with with house money there. Like that that's that's one thing I really like. And look, Neil, I'm gonna bring you in on this one. We we spoke about a lot of these guys already from the previous round from the previous pick that we had, because some of them are still available. Where are you looking here? Would you agree with Aldo that maybe you go with Matt Wellesco here, the tackle? Do you think that maybe you, you take that risk in trusting your medical staff with Damon Clark where you know he's not going to play early on? Um, there is the guard, Josh Azudu, Pierre Strong, like Robert said, or is there anybody else that you'd be looking at? There's still a Conquo is still available for us as well. I love the sentiment of Pierre Strong. I, I agree with the thoughts on Damon Clark. You know, the thing about Damone Clark is talk about guys that came in with a lot of hype, but the, the video just did not match the hype you know, going into the year. And if there's injury issues, that, that's really scary. We've already seen what's happened with uh, with other players that we've taken recently that uh, have had their share of injury issues. I think Tevin Jenkins is available all of four weeks the entire year of 2021. Um, that, that kind of stuff just scares the hell out of you. And, and if you could bring in guys that aren't already damaged goods, I, I think you have to uh, I think you have to do that. Um, you know, the thing about it is Matt, Matt will let's go. He, he did unique stuff, uh, you know, in, in this, uh, in his combine season, you know, you're talking about guys, six, seven, just shade over half, 312 pounds, big hands at 10 and a quarter, absurd arm length at 36 and an eighth, big ass wingspan, at 85 and five ace ran well at five Oh three, one, seven, three, 10 yard split, which was on, on the higher end of, of, uh, of the chart there, 30 inch vertical, nine and a half broad jump elite numbers. And, you know, moved really well in space. And all those numbers, you know, apply to the film, right? They, they all translate well to what you see, uh, not only in on the, the TV copy, but the All-22 copy as well. And so it, it's really hard not to take a, a developmental guy like that. And I want to stress the word developmental because he's, he's 100% not going to come in and play right away, guys. He needs he probably needs a solid two years at least before he's, he's uh, game day ready, like, you know, full-on starter ready. But, uh, you know, the thing about it is it, it's really hard to pass up on traits, especially when you're, you know, in, in the fifth round. I think is where we're at right now. I think when, when, when you're in the fifth round, that, that's where you take guys with unique traits. They're, they're on the developmental side of things. I know we're not in any position with, with any, any sort of luxury of number of picks. You know, we, you know, obviously with this trade being made, we have a little bit more of a luxury. But um, all things being equal, we don't have that luxury. And so normally I would be kind of weary about this. But at the same time, you know, if we still have four more picks to go uh, with our biggest needs pretty much, you know, taken care of, you know, the left tackle is, is a massive need. I'm not trying to downplay that, but we did already did already take Cole Strange, who can play all five positions. Um, we're not sure what we're doing a left tackle yet, but uh, I think we have some options, right? Taking Matt yeah. with Let's Go as a guy that could develop into that guy down the road, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, but, you know, assuredly, you know, he'd, he'd be one of those guys that will develop, you know, later on down the road and into your starting left tackle. It'd be hard not to, not you know, pull the uh, trigger on that. Um, yeah. Going further yeah, on yeah. down that list and see what else we got. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so go down a little so, bit more. Kyron Williams is still available. That's interesting. In terms of taking a running back late, I mean, Kyron Williams is an all-around back, right? You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't blow you away with, with his speed numbers and, and explosion, but, you know, he, he can move with the best of them. You know, he he uh, he's he's got shit in his neck in terms of, of, you know, pass pro. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, and, you know, he's got extremely good vision, uh, you know, between the tackles and on, on the outside as well. 
very good making miss ability. I'm 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 trying not to be an Notre Dame homer here as I as I you know this <laughs> evaluation. It's hard. But, uh, it is. But I mean, just ob- objectively speaking, though, I mean, he he is one of the uh, the most unique all around backs that's still there, and I love Ty Chandler as well. I don't I don't know as much about Ty Chandler's ability to function in pass pro, but I love his ability to function on the backfield in the passing game. I love what he does with the ball in his hands, and you know, in terms of guys that that made their names in all star games, that East West game, he had a really good showing, and uh, he ran really well too. He, you know, his explosion numbers were really good. And uh, he was also a guy that I think had, if not the fastest, one of the top three or five fastest GPS times at the East-West game, too, just a shade over 19 miles an hour, which is, you know, pretty damn good for a tailback. Um, so, I mean, there, there's, I, I guess, you know, the point is that there's so many ways you can go. Thomas Booker is a guy that I talked about last week's draft on Tap Show. I know we already took our three technique, but, uh, you know, if we didn't already have a three technique in the bag, he'd be a guy that right around this time would, would be enticing to take. Um, a team captain, smart kid, a lot of uh, play history, um, very quick. Like everything about that kid's game is quickness, right? Um, a guy that just needs a little bit more development. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it's hard to pick one way to go here. I, I, I feel like you know it, this would either be a, a good time. I looked at the receivers. I, I didn't see any, any pop up on this list as you were scrolling, but it would be a good time to pick. You know, your your second receiver would be a good time to pick your second offensive lineman. I feel well, like we, we went would, for we went for two receivers. We yeah, did go for two receivers because we picked David Bell and that's uh, where we did pick David Alec Bell. Pierce. So unless you want to go through on a threefold, I'm always down for more wide receivers. No, no, no. We, we don't need three wide receivers. We're starting to get kind of packed. It's getting stuffy in there. I'm kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Very good. Look, uh, Tony, I'm going to bring you in because one of the things that both Robert and Aldo said, and I, I think it's it is really important here when we look at Matt Walesko, is we've heard. Ryan Poe said that he wants those kind of athletic guys to be on the offensive line. And if it's that, and like I said, if you can get a guy in the fifth round, then even if it is in a year or two and he can even be a starter or be your swing tackle or be your primary backup, that's still good value at this point in the draft. What, what's your opinion at this point, uh, Tony? Yeah, I mean, obviously I, I was going to up for drafting Matt Willetsko in, in the, uh, the, the previous round, so... You know, for me, um, the fact that he's there again, um, I would certainly, certainly consider it. Um, I think, you know, Aconco's there as well, you know, it's an option, but is it as big a need? Probably not. Um, I like Pierre Strong and I like Ty Chandler at running back. They're both roughly the same size. They both um, kind of ran the same kind of um, 40 time as well. But I, I actually picked Ty Chandler in my first mock draft that I did about two and a half months ago in the fifth round. Um, and uh, for me, he's just one of those kind of fast, reliable runners, great kind of vision and movement. Um, doesn't fumble the ball a lot. Uh, light on his feet. You know, great elusiveness. Um, last season, he rushed for over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, 15 receptions for 200 yards. You know, and again, with that whole thing with... with um, David Montgomery being in the last, you know, year of his contract, and um, you know, I, I don't imagine he'll leave before then, but you never know. Um, but if, certainly, if he's in the last year of his contract, anyway, then you know you've got to be thinking towards the future. And for all, Cleo Herbert is an ideal fit in in this, you know, uh, prospective running scheme. 
Uh, I think you've got to be looking at, at kind of building a, a bit of a committee there. I think by by chat would be great. So for me, it's kind of you know running back is definitely a way that we could go here. I do like let's go. Like this thing is decent. Yeah. It, I, I love I love mock draft sims. I would never dunk on them more than like you need to because they're way better than things were five years ago where somebody would post an article and everybody would just light them up in the comments and nobody could go post something on their own. That said, I remember I was picking Tyler Smith at like 90 earlier this year, and I could get Christian Watson in the fifth round, and I could get Devontae <laughs> Wyatt at 71, and now literally all of those guys oh, are top bird. 50 picks. Like yeah. It's the way things go, right? Where to some degree, the draft is unpredictable, but to, but to others, it's a computer system, and it's what, basically like Mike Renner's opinion, and I respect Mike Renner. He's an awesome analyst, but if you disagree, well, then you can kind of be like, well, I think they're too low on him, so I'm just going to hang on and post a sweet image to Twitter and get <laughs> all those likes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, like for me, I, I value the offensive line. So look, if, it, if it's me at this point, I'm looking at 148, 150. Will the Panthers go offensive line? Possibly. But I would actually be targeting both Matt Wesco and Joshua Azudu because we don't have enough offensive linemen in our room. Like There's like maybe 10, and you need going into training camp 18, 19 guys. So I'll, yeah. I'll agree with everybody else and go with Matt Wesco first and see what happens. And we'll see who they will draft. There you go, Terry Mumford. And because we've spoken about all these guys, I'm literally just going to go with, with one of my favorite kind of late-round offensive linemen. I think he's going to go way earlier than this, but I'm going to go with Josh Azudu, and we will just sit back, relax, and see what happens when we get to 186. Love it. See, um, I just wanted to quickly mention, just on the back of we're talking about Clark, is like, guy, would you take him, you know, considering the histories and stuff like that. And I forgot I was going to put it at the time, but I forgot. For me, um, I think the player is a left we have 186 and 233 so robert i'm gonna come to you first we have a couple of the guys that you mentioned already Chandler that's available there um i if i go down a little bit, there's chris paul the tackle 
poster, and if somebody has it, oh, uh, the poster um, is there. This is on Kendrick from Georgia, one of the guys that Yale mentioned here at Sterling Lifford that will probably transition to the linebacker, so he's an option as well. A couple of developmental tackles, but we've already done a couple of offensive linemen. Just for the sake of this, I like Federian Lowe and I like Cordell Bolson. Um, is there anybody else here that you would be you'd be looking at that you feel confident with at this point in time in the sixth round? Micah McFadden. You passed him already. Yeah. But not only is he local uh, Illinois or Indiana, so he's near the area and he's from where my wife is, uh, but he's a stingy linebacker in coverage. A little small, but you can – honestly, I think you can work with that in modern-day NFL uh, – Plus, we're talking about the sixth round. You need depth. A lot of the guys that you take at linebacker will uh, like transition immediately to special teams. So you need guys that can be teamers. And McFadden is somebody that maybe he grows into like a Nick Krakowski role, not literally, but like a depth linebacker that becomes surprisingly good at the end of his term. But I think from a teamer perspective, he makes a lot of sense. And if it's just me, the memes were great. Uh, back in February, they were even greater in March. But the Bears could do with a UDFA punter. They don't need punt god. They don't even need to draft a punter in the first place. The goal is no punts, which we won't get in 2022. But the goal is no punts. So take a teamer and move on. Very good. Aldo, I'm going to come to you next. Well, you know how I feel about the punter. Reluctantly, you know, I've always scoffed at the idea of even drafting a punter. But uh I do like what he he can do. One other player, can you check in the running back uh, position to see if Tyler Beatty from Missouri is still available? Because I'm really intrigued by what uh, he can deliver. Um, Dane Brugler of The Athletic kind of describes him as a Tariq Cohen. And uh, especially with this with this kid right here, he's not just a dude with a with a you know laser rocket leg. He's a guy that's an incredible athlete as well. Um, you know, you could do some funky stuff with him in, in terms of uh, your know, creation. And when you're in, when you're in punt formation, um, that being said, obviously his leg is a weapon. And whenever you have the opportunity to flip the field to the extent that he can do that, uh, that's that's almost, uh, I mean, that, that, that is a luxury to have guys. Um, you know, if you, if you guys have never seen the, uh, the, the graphic of the, the percentage of, of, uh, ability to score, the further you get into negative territory, um, like when, once you get, you know, inside the, the 40, inside the 30, that, that decreases exponentially. Right. So, um, if you have a kid that, that can flip the field like that, you really put, you know, the, uh, the, the opposing offense, their backs to the wall, and significantly decrease their percentage, you know, a, a, a chance to score. Um, so that, that that's why you consider taking that that pick here. I also like the idea of taking the tailback. And I see Ty Chandler was still available. I also saw Jerome Ford, which I really like. You know, I, I know, you know, the thing about him is that, yeah, he transferred out of Alabama because he couldn't make it at Alabama, but they have so many dudes at Alabama. And he went to Cincinnati and tore it up at Cincinnati. Um, I, I think that that kid is is special. His ability to to see the hole, to to break free, to run with strength, 
he's, he's got home home run speed. Um, you know, that, that that's a guy that I think could end up being, you know, an, an option in the backfield. If you end up, you know, down the road, getting rid of David Montgomery, we're getting rid of, of, you know, you know, um, Cleo Herbert. Um, I don't think everybody else likes him as much as I do, but I like that kid a lot. And I see Brian uh, Robinson still available, which blows my mind. I figured he'd be taking a hell of a lot earlier than, 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 than this. I really honestly think that kid is anywhere between two and four. Uh, the kid from Alabama. I love that kid. His size, his strength. Uh, he, he's got pass pro skills. Um, you know, big backs aren't you know necessarily what uh, what what makes in the NFL these days, unless you're just a freakazoid uh, like, like that kid at Tennessee. But uh, you know, it, it, it's it's hard right now because like you're 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 down to your last few options. I do feel like you know if we went back to a couple shows ago on on our show draft on tap uh, before we signed Nicholas Morrow. I had inside linebackers one of my top, you know, needs. Maybe not the top. Maybe not one. Of the, you know, need one, two, or three. Those certainly up there in like four or five. In, in terms of a guy that can come in, play the mic position, cover downfield, um, basically be you know the, the 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 second level free safety, if, if you will. Uh, I'm interested to know who else besides you know guys like Sterling Weatherford, Michael McFadden. Who else is in the linebacker category right now? There we go. We have Michael McFadden, Jack Sanborn, DeMarco Jackson, Nephew Sewell. Um, those seem to yeah. be the main four there. Because I know the, I know we have. I'll, I'll just put up safety because he's Weatherford's in there. So yeah. and, I mean, you know, to be honest, we do need a Sam as well. You know, um, mm-hmm. if you look at Michael McFadden, uh, you know, six one two forty. Um, arm, arm, and uh, you know, wing length isn't great, so you know that that's kind of got you worried. But what he did athletically was, you know, borderline special. Thirty-five inch bird, nine foot ten broad, six eight eight, you know, cone drill and a four one five uh, shuttle with a four six three forty. You know, the numbers on paper are really good. I don't have as much experience watching him on tape to really make a good assessment of whether or not he fit at either Sam or Mike. But you know, in, in terms of a guy that's left in the sixth round that that could also come in with with his athleticism and and his physicality, play special teams, that's not a bad take right there. Um, you know, personally, I mean, if, if you're in this position and and you have the opportunity to take a weapon, I would definitely look at Matareza. I'd also look at at taking a you know a a depth tailback like a Tyson like a Ty Chandler, taking a you know a depth of special teams weapon like a like a Michael McFadden. Um, those are those are probably some options that I could go here. Uh, there's also some options still at offensive line. I think we've pretty much shored up offensive line at this point. Um, those are probably the three places that I go. Sterling Weatherford, as I mentioned before, is really interesting as a guy that's six three plus, ran really well, jumped really high, was explosive, um, a developmental guy, no doubt, but a guy that could grow into something at the second level. Again, I, you know, he's listed as safety here. I definitely do not think he's going to be a safety. I think he's going to be uh, drafted up into the linebacker room and going to be a really athletic second level player. Yeah. Look, I, I'm going to stick with a couple of guys when they're, when they're talking here, I, I'm sorry. I just can't pick a punter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not one of those. I understand it. I've admonished I, I this get, man. I, I, I get it, but like, I, I just can't do it. I've seen too many like UDFA punters come in the league and be able to be reliable starters for 10 plus years. So I'm going to go with the linebacker and I'm going to go Michael McFadden. And we're just going to relax until we go into our final pick of the draft, which is 233. And look, you never you never know. Oh, the Saints forfeited the draft pick. They took too long. 
So that that's interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've seen that happen. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> on this, so I think they actually have forward to the, they have forward to the pick this year for. Oh. oh, that's it. I was like, oh, maybe they're just taking too long, but no. Uh, <laughs> well, your 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 punter did get did get taken. So, look, we're we're at the end happens. of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I let's see where he went. Just so we just oh yeah, he went to the Dolphins. That's all right. And uh, that's no no uh, no big thing there. Anyway, uh, Tony, I'm going to come to you first. Is there anybody that's uh, left on the list that you like that you've They've kind of seen. I'm trying to like make sure I've gone. I've given uh, enough players here. There's a tight end called Turner, Nephi Sewell as a linebacker. Even though we just, if you really want a punter, there's another punter available for you, Aldo. Yeah. <laughs> no, <that's fine. laughs> there's a couple. There's a couple of tackles. There's another safety that Neil was talking about earlier. Um, let me see if you want to go for. Developmental Hayward. quarterback, maybe Caleb Ellaby, and um, Doug Kramer as a center, Connor Hayward. Um, so I'm going to leave this to you, uh, Tony. Is there anybody there? Yeah, that you like? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I have obviously wanted to look at taking a, a, a kind of running back up to this point. We haven't done it yet. I feel that you should probably aim to try and take a running back or at least find uh, a rookie running back, whether it's in the draft or UDFA. Um, every point in the year. Um, I would have loved to have taken Ty Chandler, but I can understand it taking the point of Mikey McFadden because he was going to be um, my kind of other option. Um, to be honest with you, it's, 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 when you get to this point in the draft, it's a kind of a, of a bit of a crapshoot when it comes, comes to who, who you're kind of picking up because it's just trying to find the value in it. Um, I don't have any particular player at the moment that's really standing out to me at the running back position. Um, but um, we've got Ingram, though. I think Mike Bate could be a good shout. Um, uh, USC, he was at, wasn't it? I can't see the screen properly. Um, again, yeah, 4-5 four, four, runner. Again, it's, it's one of these guys that you kind of take a flyer later on. He's actually probably, I think he's been ranked higher than, than Ty Chandler for some reason uh, in a lot of kind of mock drafts. So, um, based on, um, you know, his, again, traits and, um, you know, his athletic prowess, I think at this point you're looking to take guys that are athletic or um, or, or could possibly contribute on special teams. Um, I don't know if Devontae Price is still there. Uh, he would have been a guy that, you know, a guy run, he ran in the low four threes um, at running back, but I think he's gone as well. So, mm-hmm. I'm open to suggestions at this point, guys, because I'm. I get to the seventh round and I get a bit lost. If I'm being honest with you. <laughs> okay, Robert, I'm gonna bring you in here. Is there anybody that uh, that sticks out to you? I'll go back to kind of the overall. Well, the only reason that these guys will stick out to me at this stage is because I know them because they played in the Big Twelve, uh, and so I'll be very honest. Life got the best of me this draft season. I only got through like 120 players. I do not have any particular <laughs> bent here. I could, if you really were dying for a name, Tristan Ebner's down there, but that's probably just not a great pick to be really blunt. Like <laughs> you could, you could take Brock Purdy and get almost, nah, I'm sure Ebner would be a teamer again. So you get more out of him than you would at a Purdy, but we can wrap this up. 
because it's a seventh round pick on a Mac draft or a mock draft. Exactly. Although, is there a position you would want the Bears to go in at this at this stage? Um. Yeah. At this point, no. Uh, so what you do is you look at your overall board and and try to uh, select the absolute best player available that your scouts have uh, judged so no matter what position it is and mm-hmm. so that's that's what i would uh, prefer to do here a lot of these running backs that you have up on the screen probably uh, a good handful of them will be available as undrafted free agents uh, so uh, i don't feel a huge need to draft a, a running back uh, with this pick, I would just go for the absolute best athlete with, uh, as Tony said, the, the, the type of athlete who can immediately come in and compete for a special teams position. Yeah, absolutely. Neil, um, again, last but not least, but uh, is there anybody here, like, like the lads have said, kind of maybe best player that's on the board seems to be Joshua Williams, the quarterback from Fayetteville State. Um, you have Keontae Ingram as a running back. Um, I know there was a, the safety that you mentioned earlier that, that you liked. Um, where was it? More Thomas. Nice. Yeah. So is there anybody there that you that you like, especially being the seventh in the seventh round? Yeah. If, if you go back up to the top there, the uh, the Joshua Williams kid from Fayetteville State gives you a lot of length and he's a complete developmental, you know, question mark. Um, but uh, it, you, you, you have a hard time passing up length and athleticism. He can give you, you know, special teams value. Uh, I don't know, you know, what kind of you know play history he has in terms of special teams at Fayetteville State, but I would imagine with that kind of athletic ability, that kind of size, he'd be a core four guy. Um, yeah. There, if you look to the next position down, Brock Purdy. I know there's a lot of people that say go ahead and draft a quarterback every year. You never know. Uh, Brock Purdy was a very stable, consistent, arguably the the, the best all time at at Iowa State. Um, you know, he's not a guy that had a special year. I was expecting a lot more out of him coming into that, that extra COVID year that he had. But, uh, you know, he, he he was a guy that performed very well over the course of his time at Iowa State. Uh, moving on down just a little bit, I think the next guy I saw that I liked was Cordell Volson. Uh, North Dakota State played right tackle for them. Um, doesn't have the kind of feet and lateral agility that you would want on the outside. He's a guy that would shift inside and would be a mauler as a uh, as, as probably a right guard since he played right tackle, moved him into right guard. Um, I like his feet. I like his ability to function at the second level. He's just athletic enough to be able to be you know, to be uh, a guy that would work. Uh, but he's got great size, too. He's like 6'7", 320 pounds, 330 pounds. So he's, he's a you know massive size, good feet, um, got, got some uh, mean streak in him. Um, you know, we need more of those guys. You know, our, our offensive line room was way too soft over the, yeah. past of, of the past few years. You know, speaking of things that drove me up the damn wall, our guys not punishing defenders drove me up the damn wall. Uh, move on down just a little bit more. Connor Hayward, the, uh, the, the fullback slash H-back slash whatever you want him to be from Michigan State. You know, I I create times again when we can value, you know, upbacks or H-backs that can carry the football, that could, that could uh, be functional in the passing game, be a weapon in the passing game out of the backfield. Uh, can block, uh, you know, tough dudes that that could be core four guys. I think he presents a lot of value right there, and he's Craig Ironhead Hayward's kid, and so you know it, it's really hard not to get behind that one. And then yeah. uh, moving on just a little bit further on down, another guy that I earmarked as you're scrolling. Obviously, there there's Wanye, which I, I've I've talked about almost you know ad nauseum on on you know, our show. 
uh, since the beginning, ever since the, the East-West game. Um, Cole Turner, the tight end, had a really nice uh, senior bowl. You know, he's he's a he's a length guy that I'm not sure if he's if he if he's more of an F or if he's more of a Y. But he caught the ball really well, so he's a guy that you can bring in, use him in the passing game. I think he has blocking capability. Um, but a guy that has been in a, in a lot of different ways re, uh, re, regarded as a, as a sleeper in this draft. Yeah, absolutely. Look, like I actually said, didn't a book. even realize that Joshua Williams was on was available at this point in the draft because he probably should have been taken just the corner. Joshua Williams probably should have been taken a lot earlier than this. Mm-hmm. So I would probably mm-hmm. I would probably change from the corner from the the running back option and, and look at Joshua Williams just from the fact that he's a big, fast, long corner. Um, yeah. and you can't get enough corners in your team. Yeah, I think at this point in time, the, the value is just there. So that's what we'll do and to close out the draft, and we'll review what, what the draft class was because, because I don't remember some of them at the start now because it's it, it's been a while since we went at the start. But look, it's it's good to do these just to see like some of the situations that may end up popping up, right? Because that's we never know what's going to end up happening um, if this will uh, load. Um, maybe it won't for some reason. <laughs> it just decided not to load. Yeah, there is a technology. Uh, um, there's I been a that. complaint uh, to Roger Goodell's office. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. Oh, there we go. It just wanted it just wanted us to like pay yeah, well, the one ninety nine or something. I don't know. It's for some reason <laughs> it'll like load up eventually. But yeah, it's. It's a it's an interesting process. I'm gonna like stop sharing this here. Um it is, it's an interesting process overall to just see kind of how things can fall. Um from when you when you look at like the situation from day one, because a lot of people, a lot of Bears fans may not end up being too in I guess too engaged into round one because they're seeing that they don't have the first round pick. But like Robert said at the beginning of the show, it's it's going to take a lot from round one is going to depend on what you can do in round two and kind of going on from there. So it is a really important one at that point in time. Look, I just want to thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight. It's been a lot of fun being able to talk to you guys. Again, we are now just 24 hours away from, as we say, Christmas when it comes to this side of the things. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I know, Aldo, you were saying that you guys have a show later on. Do you want to tell some of the listeners about it? Yeah, at 8.30 p.m. uh, Central, Neil and Danny uh, will uh, be uh, on Draft on Tap. I'll moderate their debate. They're actually going to debate several issues uh, that I'm going to present to them. They'll have 60 seconds to respond to the questions, and then after each has responded, We'll uh, have them fight fight out uh, what they're you know to see who wins the opinion. And I thought that would be kind of a good way to set up uh, the thinking for our upcoming draft on tap shows, which we will be on after each draft uh, is over, and uh, discuss what's available for the Bears, uh, who they picked, and and so forth. And also, Greg Gabriel has a show on Friday uh, morning and Saturday morning, so uh, we've got uh, tons of draft coverage. Uh, but it's hard to top what you guys are doing here over at the Irish Bears show. Applause, applause, applause. You guys are fantastic, and thanks for having us on. We really appreciate it. Neil, I hope you're going to be – you're going to kind of get your in your inner – was it uh, Tyson Fury out there? You're going to go for it. You're going to 
<laughs> attack him. You're going to give him the uppercut and I, I win that debate. <laughs> that's that's what you need to be doing. But look, I really appreciate you joining as well. Robert, I know you do a lot of stuff and you have stuff coming out very soon on your own mm-hmm. YouTube channel over there. Do you want to tell the guys, especially if someone's a fan of Alec Pierce? Well, it's better late than never, but I am throwing the footage together for a Pierce breakdown that it'll either drop I know this sounds ridiculous, but it'll either drop at 11 p.m. tonight, probably probably will, uh, or it'll drop sometime in the deep morning. So you could probably just feasibly go to sleep, wake up tomorrow, bang, you can learn about the Bears' newest receiver. Uh, wink. But also, <laughs> the last thing that I want to do is uh, come on to somebody's show and advertise my own stuff. But so you'll need three monitors and a cell phone to make sure that you can watch all, all of our shows. But of course, over at Run Pass Opinion, I'll be streaming uh, the second round of the draft. So not only will me and a bunch of the Windy City Gridiron guys be analyzing the picks that come down, once we get a Bears pick, we're going to just dive right into film. So we'll immediately pop on some film, start walking through what the prospect does well, what they don't, uh, with myself, Jacob Infante, and Jeff Burkus, And that should be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of experimental stuff over on the channel, but it should be great. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. And, and that's what you want like make sure uh, the one thing i always say for bears fans especially when the picks kind of go out make sure you watch kind of your your favorite podcast all that sort of stuff make sure you watch those reactions because those are the funniest ones that come out there i keep telling people you just need to go back to last year and watch what happened when justin fields got selected by the bears it was comedy gold but look <laughs> it is we are 24 hours away so with that, I have a little hype video to end the show today. We will be starting with this tomorrow as well. So enjoy the draft tomorrow. Join us tomorrow as well. We will be live for all day one, day two, and day three of the draft. We look forward to hearing all you guys in the comments. Thank you so much for joining in the comments today. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow all these guys over on Twitter as well. And we will see you tomorrow.